Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Late night. What's up, Chalky? Do you remember Fuel TV? Dude, of course I remember Fuel TV. Fuel was epic. I know it is. But I have some exciting news. And what's up? Fuel TV is back. What? It's so sick. Yeah, back and better than ever. And they are the newest sponsors of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Yes, I love it. Thanks, Fuel. You know what the best part is? Of course I do. You can now get Fuel a whole bunch of different ways. You can subscribe to their new app called Fuel TV Plus and get their entire library of shows like Built to Shred, Danny and the Dingo, and Drive Through, and also their 24-7 channel, all commercial free. To subscribe, just go to plus.fuel.tv and download the app. The other way you can watch is Samsung TV Plus channel 1179. That way is free and includes the better than ever fuel TV that we all know and love. Skate, snow, and our favorite... Surfing. Surfing. Wow, Lyndon, that's pretty awesome. Really pumped. Hell yeah, it is. Welcome back, Fuel. Welcome back, Fuel TV. Foo Wax. The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, 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 we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Bonsai balls. They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck. They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations. And download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl, healthy, delicious. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it, I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing, only 100 calories, all organic, no sugar, also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. You're getting pretty good at that. I better. <laughs> hey, great intro. Episode 77. Hey, who's counting? Jeez. Uh, that's amazing, you guys. We're sitting with a former pro surfer, 
Surf Magazine editor, Grind TV, WSL programmer, and event marketing media guru, Jeez, podcaster, <laughs> and host of the People Who Surf show, has a podcast, Chris. Legendary. Legendary. Maro, any Le- nicknames? Oh, yeah, well, we'll let that one slide. There's like 50 of them. Uh, but the worst one is Sis. Sis? Sis. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go Chris there. Sis? <laughs> It was uh, Chris Billy and Snips gave that one to me. Oh my god! It was pretty bad. Um, I couldn't make it out at Creek one day. It was like a windswell, and I was like, when I was young, I was like tiny, and it was a windswell, and I was just getting swept back. And those guys were doing laps, and Chris Billy just paddled by me. He's like, "Come on, you fucking sissy!" Oh my god! And Snips was like, "That's it. That's your nickname." And that was my nickname for a long time. And then, you know, Snips was kind of my. He was my, uh, he was my ride to the beach, my connection to the outside world from that little cove that we grew up in in South Laguna, yeah. um, which I didn't know anything else existed for a long time. But um, uh, as soon as I surfed Waimea, it shortened to six, and then it was like, and from then on, like everybody calls me, all the people who've known me forever, they just call me sis. You know? Well, that's what I'm gonna call you from now. Yeah. Pe- people pick up nicknames along the way, but yeah. you and know, it's some re- some stick. Some but stick. I was I was looking for one. I'm like, I don't. I yeah. couldn't find like yeah. any, any, any. Well, and the funny thing is, is like my life, I've been sort of like, I've lived and sort of operated in all these different towns because I grew up in Laguna and Snips and I, you know, we were part of that South Laguna tribe, which was completely different from the town guys like Boothie and Brandy Faber and all those guys were, were the townies, you know, and, and South Laguna was a whole different world, like completely different. And, and you know, you lived in your cove. It was protected by cliffs and yeah. height of localism and nobody freaking moved. And we used to have a saying, and we're in the cove right above Three Arch Bay. And like when I was growing up, when I was a Grom, like nine, 10 years old, you weren't allowed to run to the water because like the guys would be like, only creek eats run. You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> like you had to be mellow. Is- only creek geeks run, you know? Yeah. Like, only those guys run to the water, you know? Like, you had to be like, walk, be mellow. Cool. Yeah. All these guys had, like, puka shell necklaces and, like, hippies, and it was wow. hilarious, you that know? Is but awesome. you, you live where there's a lot of hills and a lot of, like, you know, the, the, the PCH was yeah. kind of a, even back then, without all the crazy texting, was a crazy gauntlet, like, to ride a bike. So oh, yeah. you couldn't just, yeah. hey, mom, dad, I'm riding my bike to, you know, yeah. Brook Street, which is. Right. A whole nother world away. Oh, it was so far away. I mean, we had, we didn't leave our, I didn't leave my neighborhood till I was like 11, 12 years old, you know? And the funniest thing was, so I lived, my parents bought a house right on the cliff. My dad was a doctor. He came out here, Navy and the whole thing. And, and we were, our house was like this old rundown thing from like 1929, but it went on fire sale in like 65. So he bought it. And, um, and we, I'm not number five of six kids. We were like, wow. big family, four kids in a bedroom. Like it was a two bedroom house. And we were just like, and you know, it was like somewhat cash poor in a shitty interior house, but like the best backyard in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the funny thing was snips when I was about 10 or 11 years old, he had the job as the trash man on the beach. He drove around this dune buggy that you could take up and down the beach and you'd have to empty all the trash cans. And then he would have to haul these hefty bags up the stairs and, and drop them off in these big bins. How old was he? He was like 13. He was wow. four years older than me. And, um, and so we all had paper routes and that whole thing. And so it was, it was pretty cool. But I wanted to drive that dune buggy. Like that dune buggy was the... The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. 
Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. He's like one of those Mexican, just sort of like the outdoor dune buddies you go down the desert with and huge tires. And I remember walking down the stairs with my board one day. Because I was like a little boogie boarder rat and and then got my first board and was walking down. And he kind of knew who I was and I knew who he was, but we weren't like friends because four years at that point was a world away. And I was yeah. just like... Jay always says that. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. what? Uh, I go, hey, can I drive that thing? And he's like, you help me carry this trash, you know, up the stairs and, and I'll let you drive. Sick. And that's how we basically became friends. So I started helping him and he let me drive that doom buggy. And then next thing you know, we were, he was taking me surfing. Like he would be like, Hey, you help me tomorrow. I'll take you to trestles. And I'm like, what dude? Like, (laughs) what is that? What is sounds? I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds killer. You know? And I didn't know, you know, I didn't even know what a wave with shape looked like. You know, he ripped already. You watched him. Oh, he was, yeah, yeah, he was was already, he was the guy. Let's, let's backtrack. How old were you when you first started surfing? You said you boogie boarded at first. Yeah, I mean, I was in the water from a very early age, and we were just like all the little groms down there. Moray boogies, like when the remember when Moray boogies first came out, when you put them together with the kits. Like my oldest brother had one of the kits where you glue it together, and you know we had like <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, we had oh, so I'm a little older than you guys, but yeah. So it's like he had one of those, and you had to put your own boogie board. Together? Oh yeah, and the, when they first came out, you glued them up and no you did way. it yourself. Yeah, it was okay. like a kit. And then, like, we used to hand make our own skin boards in Laguna, you know, like wood out of wood and resin them ourselves and stuff. And, and, um, and so there was a lot of little surf guys, stony dudes down the, down the way. And I just remember old guys would be like, hey, go take my board out, you know, and it would just be like, killer. I'd borrow somebody's board. And when you're little kids, you, we were like, you know, boards are tiny. We'd use them as slides, like on the beach and stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, and then it was like, go take it out. And so I stood up on a board when I was six or seven but my first surfboard I was 10 years old it was my 10th birthday and these hippies that were that lived next door they were renting a, a studio next door to my parents house and um and they said we money and they, they the they're like hey we're getting married <laughs> we're getting married and we gotta we gotta pay for it you wanna sell you wanna buy my board I was just like yes and it was like my birthday just happens to be in July so it was like perfect little uh summertime 
like, Dad, I need 25 bucks for this guy's board. 25 bucks? Yeah, and it was a single fin. Thing was like must have been a shitty hollow. <laughs> Just it was like this hollow down rail thing with the sharpest fin in the world. And and I had that for a little while. But my second board, do you know John O'Connor? Remember him? Yeah. So so John O'Connor was, uh, he was kind of in our tribe. He was a little South Laguna guy too. But he had this um, Pepsi Cola Bertelman board that he sold me. It was like, that was his crown jewel. Um, but it was a little too small for him. So he sold that one to me. And that was my, my second board with like full Larry Bertelman airbrush, Pepsi Cola thing. Wow. Like that was probably 79 or 80 right in there. And I just remember thinking that was the coolest kid in school, like with that thing yeah. until, uh, until we went to Brook street and like, that's when we realized like our little, we were so far behind the ages. Cause like Boothy had his little Stussy that Stussy that he talked about on your podcast yeah. with like this freaking graphic brand new green rails intricate airbrush and it was like super modern like my thing looked like it was super 70s yeah. and he's like in 1984 yeah. you know and I was like yeah. who is this kid you know yeah. it was... I'm not going to win the contest I'm going to make sure I look like I win the contest but he was such a he was already a prodigy you know like even when we were playing AYSO soccer he was like super athletic and he was yeah he, well no he was uh, it he wasn't that much of a soccer player, to be honest with you, but, but his surfing was there yeah. at an early age, you know, like, and, um, and so, uh, that was his thing. He was known as, he was just like, you knew Boothy was going to do it when he was 10 years old. He was it's one crazy. of those kids, you know, and, uh, and he had that mental toughness yeah. from, from day one, you know, Did you kind of see that. Yeah. yeah. You said you had a, a bunch of siblings that they surfed too. Yeah, they all did. My oldest brother, um, so I'm... I've got three older brothers. They all surfed. I mean, the whole neighborhood surfed. It was such a little fun little zone to um, to grow up because it was, um, you know, there was a park next to the beach, and there was probably 200 kids in our neighborhood around our age. There used to be like 50 kids at the bus stop, you know, and... Um, Who would have thought? Because that's a trippy little zone. It is. It's crazy, and it was just like, it just... It all happened really quickly in the in the late sixties, early seventies, because in, when they built that neighborhood, it was just um, weekend cottages for people in, in Pasadena who would come down. Yeah, artists and, they, and stuff. Yeah, and that kind of thing. And they were like, it wasn't like Emerald Bay and these things that were built to be lived in year round. It was just like these little tiny things, you know. And then it wasn't until the sixties when people started like, fuck it, I'm going to move my family in here and yeah. live here because you know back then that was still edge of the universe. Like, yeah. There was a huge wasteland between Laguna and Dana Point, and, yeah. you know what I mean, where Hobie yeah, where Hobie surfboards was, and like the factory and everything. Like Salt Creek was all sand dunes. Yeah, yeah. you know, we used to go Nothing ride our bikes. On, on yeah, Lantern Avenues that, and stuff. Like yeah, that was all dirt bike material. Yeah. Like that's where we rode our bikes. That was a huge adventure, you know. And so it was like, you know, you go on the beach, you play in the park, or you go ride your dirt, your bikes up on the hills and back behind in the in the wasteland stuff. Yeah. And it was it sounds was like fun. a sick place to grow up for sure. It was we full. I mean, like best childhood ever. You couldn't imagine. Yeah, it was it was sweet because there was just so many kids, and um, and everyone surfed too. Most, well, I mean, mostly. we had a good like like honestly, Snips became there was this older crew that he kind of came in under, and they were sort of these stony hippie guys and super. And there were some guys who were like, there was one guy. His name's Brett Keese. 
when people said BK, I always like the whole time growing up BK BK. I thought they were talking about Brett Keast, you know, because like he <laughs> was the style BK. master, yeah, of of three arch guy. Like just did these lit, like you know, seventies laybacks back in the day when you like they were the in thing. The guy had the sickest style. Wow. And um, you know, three arch is a it's a it's a chunky little. It's basically like a shittier version of Creek. Yeah. But it has its days, yeah, you know, yeah. and um, and for that little stretch, it was um, there was a there was a nice little magic few years there where it was it was good, and it's so funny too because um, it was rare, not that many people have actually experienced it, but through the years, thanks to Snips and myself, it's like like Curran's been there and Parr's been there, and yeah. one time we had like the full NSSA crew, Parmenter and Boothy and Clisby and all those guys come down. And every time we invited somebody in, it was, it was good. fucking firing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're all just like, this place is insane. And I'm like, no, I just, honestly, it's not this good. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's my home, but then don't come back. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> don't yeah. tell anybody. Yeah, Chris, he was just like, this is nuts, you know. But um, it's, it's, it's normally a... So what was there, like, shit. local, like, surf shop hangout? Was in Dana, Dana Point? Like, where well, was everybody... you know, like, when I was a Grom... The Hobie, when you went to go get your, like, I remember getting my first pair of Echo Beach trunks. Yeah. And that was, like, a big deal because, like, my mom would just line us up in the station wagon. and was like, okay, we're all getting our pair of trunks for the summer, and this is it. And you lived in those. Like, yeah. you slept in those, right? <laughs> like, it was one pair. That was it. And it was funny. When I was listening to your Holbrook episode, and he was talking about those first couple pair of what they had with the only two colors. I'm like, yeah. I have that one. And I'm like, I have a picture of myself in those little scallops with the, yeah. you know, the blue and the gray or whatever. And I was just cracking up because like that was uh, one of the first ones I had. And and uh, so Hobie's was, you know, that was the one in Dana Point, the original shop. Yep. That was sort of like the early going one. And then, but the big, I mean, monumental shift for us went in, in Laguna was when EJ moved into oh, town. Yeah. And that was like game changer because, you know, EJ was obviously affiliated with Aaron and, and Huntington. And, you know, Huntington was so much more in 1980, 81, 82, when he came in, it was so much more progressive. Like yeah. Laguna was so much more regressive. And we were like, there was guys still wearing beaver tails in 82, yeah. you know, in Laguna. Yeah. And, Black and uh, white. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the international guys had, been cracking and you had the whole echo beach thing happening and so ej you know with his bright colors and everything coming out and paddling out staley street in the middle of that thing that was a huge freaking deal and he he put up to his credit put up with a lot of shit and just yeah. stuck stuck to his game yeah. ground you know and the funny thing is is like we weren't really laguna guys but um john rothrock who was like one of the main guys who started nssa okay when EJ said, hey, I'm going down there, who's who's the guy I should hook up? And he's like, oh, Mike Parsons is our Laguna guy. Yep. Like, go get him. And so EJ hired Snips. Snips was his first employee. Sick. And that first little shop was maybe as big as his kitchen. It, yeah. was, it was tiny. It was over by Adolfo's. And it was like this tiny little thing. But EJ had every cent invested. And he was young, man. He was early 20s, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, and you know, surf retail was so different then. It was like you go in there and just get abused. They weren't trying. It was just like it was a clubhouse. Yeah. And, but the, um, but the, you know what's interesting is it was like thriving business if you could like pull it off. If, oh yeah. You know, because yeah. there wasn't a lot of competition and like no, yeah. him coming if, if from. You got to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Like EJ was telling me the other day, he's just like, dude, all Oak Street had was like, you know, yeah, Alyssa's old wetsuits and um and. 
and like four pairs of stubbies. Yeah, like yeah. they didn't even know what they were doing. Like you he knew know? the brands. He just had yeah. to find, you yeah. know, post up shop and yeah. do it right. And, and you know, and then you know, EJ was the first guy to have like a legit pro surfer come to town and do a promo at a shop, and it was Sean Thompson. Yeah, he came in, and we were all just like lined, like what? Who? What? Like that was just unbelievable to us. Yeah, and, it's uh, funny to think how progressive you guys became after EJ and Laguna Surfing Sport. He changed everything. He probably changed. He changed everything. And it's like, you know, you look at his fingerprints just on all these little things, Volcom, Electric, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And, and the, we don't want to give him too much credit, but yeah. No, but it's, it's, but I mean, it's all related to Aaron and everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I always tell EJ, like, you know, EJ's EJ. And we, we we laugh our asses off because he's. I used to walk out of there with freaking bruises. Oh yeah, all the time. Grom abuse. Total grom abuse. You know, mm-hmm. he loved that shit. And um, but that was part of the culture then too. Yeah. And it just it it was what it was. Um, but yeah, that was it. It was a game changer because in within a year and a half, I think he'd taken over Oak Street. Like the guys at Oak Street basically just like, can you take this over, please? Because yeah. we don't know what we're doing. Like yeah. it was that. That that quick. So that was like the 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 hangout. That was the spot. That became the clubhouse. And then what about like surf spot? Like still three art or did you well, like so so were you guys like remember the winter of eighty three when the piers broke? Yep. So that completely screwed up three arch. Yeah. And um and for me um I had another friend because my dad was a doctor. His head nurse lived in San Clemente, and her son was my best friend. His name was Court Morgan. Good surfer. He lived about four doors down from Archie, and Archie um, and and my best friend, their birthdays were a day apart, so we'd been going to birthday parties together for a long time, right? Yeah. And um, and I started going down there, and I remember when I discovered T Street, and you got to remember this is early '80s, so the boards were thick twin fins; they were still, you know, two and a half, three inches thick. And you're a Grom, so you're going 90 miles an hour at T Street on those boards. Like T Street was, it didn't feel like a mushy wave. No, it looked like heaven, you know. And and for me, a guy who grew up in closeouts, I was like, oh my god, this place is amazing. You know, <laughs> I'm set. doing three turns on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cut back, set up. Here yeah. comes the inside. Holy like, moly! Yeah, exactly. I got four turns today on a wave, and um, and so, uh, I really, I it. I drove my mom nuts because I would finish school. I would jump on the bus, the OCTD bus, yep. take a transfer down in Capo Beach, get down there and surf in the afternoon, and then I'd miss the last bus, bus home. And she'd have to come back and come down and pick me up. <laughs> she would get so pissed. And um, just down the road, but yeah, still, <laughs> yeah, parents, yeah, parents it's, are like it's well, ten minutes away. Other kids. Kids. Yeah, five other kids. Yeah, five so, other kids. So, um, but the, it was kind of funny because. Uh, I was telling Snips, I'm like, Creek Creek was all messed up too after that El Nino. Yeah. And we were just like, fuck, it became this little dumpy shore pound thing. And I'm like, hey, we got to start going down here. It's fucking fun. Every day there's a fun wave. And you got to check out this kid, Archie. Because we just, Snips just started getting me into NSSAs. And he was on the national team already. Damn. And he was like doing his thing. And so um, we were actually the ones who brought Archie to his first NSSA event. Wow. Know? I was so like, Matt, you got to come do this, you know? And he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. And he was such the funny, happy-go-lucky Grom when he was little, you know? And um, and he was just like, yeah. And it was just like instant, you know? I remember watching P.T. and Ian look at him for the first time, just going, you know? <laughs> just because just, our next protege. Yeah, because Archie was like, I mean, he was... Punk. 
rock. Punk and it, rock. And he surfed like he looked and acted. Yeah, and everything. exactly. And it was. I mean, I remember. I remember watching him on a on a little quarter pipe on one of those birthday parties. They whipped out this little quarter pipe into the street, and he was going up, but he was not even ten, and he was just grinding on the thing, you know, like just flying down the street, hitting the thing, going ninety miles an hour. Most of us were going here, <laughs> <laughs> and so it was so fun to watch that because you know we'd give Matt or I to a lot of contests back in those days, and, yeah. and you know that was sort of um, in his uh, wonder years, you know, and uh, and then and then T Street became like this this hub. Spot. And it was the hotbed, and, and sort of that was like my kind of adopted town. And, and I ended up going to a private school in 10th grade, and by the time I went back to Laguna Beach High School, junior, senior year, I was getting out at lunch every day because I had so many credits from private school that I, it, I would be down at T Street at 12.30 in the afternoon, you know? And it was just like, that's when the McNulty's were down there, Hogan. There's a, um, a large talent pool. Big. Yeah, it was huge. There. I mean, it was, it was just what I was... I mean, even yeah. back then. Yeah. Like, and the St. Clemente right now is kind of dominating Oh, yeah. It's, it's cool. But, it's, it's like, re, it's completely resurfaced. Yeah. Like, the, the hotbed has regenerated. It was a, like, it kind of fell apart in the O's, you know? And then, and yeah. now it's totally back. And it's really cool. A lot of them are second generation. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Kira Pinkerton, her dad was... Yeah. Jim, who we used to compete against, I saw this thing on Fomenko, like you know, and he, Andy was his yeah. dad was our, you know, was, is that his kid? That yeah, I think. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I'm guessing so. Yeah. I, I was just another Fomenko. Yeah, yeah, who else could it be? You know, <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, so those, the, it was such a, you know, so the, who, the depth was, chart was huge. Who was it back then? Um, you mentioned Archie, well, was, McNulty's. Yeah, so it was all the McNulty's, yeah. which they all ripped. You all know, of them. all of them ripped. Sean McNulty, you know, I remember watching him in the Stubbies Pro uh, when Curran won and Baran won and and eighty one and eighty two at Trestles, and you know, people forget that he got third two years in a row at the Stubbies Trials and just missed out on going to Burley Heads two yeah. years in a row because if you made the final, you got a, a seed in the main event at Burley, which yeah. back then like that was everything. That was like going to. Disneyland, you yeah. know, it was like Australia was the the shit. That's yeah. where the center of the universe, and so yeah, that was. The, but the McNulty's were there. Hogan, Hogan, obviously, you know, the legend obviously is when Potter came to town, yeah, and just lit everything up. And then from then it was just on. It was like that was the spot. And the Bessians were Groms, like yeah. mini Groms. Shane and Gavin, yeah, Nathan and and Christian. Um, that whole scene it was just a fun little deal to be it was it was a training ground for sure so you how did you like snips got you into this to say and like was that like i'm you know diehard competitor like every weekend like him or well so he 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 definitely kind of sucked me into that vortex right like like dude you are on the program and snips was funny because like he and the crazy thing is he's the same way today i mean (laughs) he's no different it's like he used to be like be at my house at 4.30 a.m. Do not knock on the door. I want you waiting in the dark. If you're not here, I'm leaving to go trestles, right? Like, and so we'd be freezing out in this freaking, you know, yard and everything. And he was just, he was schooled by Kanga and Ian and those guys on just like, you show up, you show up on time, you get there, you're the first guy in the lineup and, yeah. you know, that whole thing. And so I was definitely on Snips's program through that NSSA thing. We had the same dreams, the same thing, you know. It's funny, there was a movie that came out and you can't find it anywhere 
I was just actually talking to Sean Thompson about it when, when I was interviewing him and it was called Wave Masters. And when HBO was brand new, like when people had those giant satellites in their the backyard. The box? Yeah. It was like, it, there was this movie called Wave Masters and it followed the tour of 1978. And it was, it was insane. It went, and the tour that year, the waves were perfect. Like, Burley Heads, Stubby's Pro, they had this, they had this one down in, in Sydney and it was like a freak, it wasn't a, it was. It wasn't. It was near Manly. I forget what the name of the place is, but it was Wayne Lynch and Larry Blair in the final in a full two riding contest. It showed perfect bells, you know, all stuff. And we were just like, "Wait a second, you could do that? Like, you could? There's a thing where you could go on tour and surf these waves and compete? Like, that was the dream, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Ian Cairns, who was like, on literally on Wide World of Sports the week before winning Holly Eva in 1980, you know, doing his little, like, comeback and coming back the next day and he's in, it, you know, the next week and he's in Huntington coaching. It was just like, these guys were so larger than life for them to be on our Jet soil. Setting, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, that. we were coming out of the dark ages. Like, how that didn't happen. You couldn't yeah. touch those people in California. Certainly not Laguna. It, it's and so, funny, you know, of course, Kanga and PT... Mm. They they come up a lot when we talk to yeah. guys like you because man if they, if it wasn't for them yeah I mean amateur and professional surfing wouldn't look like it does yeah NSSA the Bud Tour I like, mean you know I, just the whole industry yeah. in a way and so I mean I think the industry would have probably shown up anyway but you know what they did in those early eighties by creating all these pro ams like. They had their little events company, yeah. and they were running these pro-am events, and finally it was like, you guys mentioned it with Boothie, you know, the problem with California in the 70s is we were so regressive, and we were so tribal, nobody traveled, Yeah. and so when when our little scene, when we started doing these NSSAs, and we were like wandering up and down the coast, it was like connecting the dots again, it was like, yeah. holy shit, we're sharing information on boards and everything, and you know, when those studies trials, it's hard to imagine now for kids, because everybody knows everybody and everybody sees everything immediately but it's like that stubby's trials when it happened in the summer of like 80 or 81 or 82 that was the only fucking time there was twice a year maybe everybody in california got together yeah, yeah. and the boards were changing so fast right then that it was like holy fuck what's you whoa did you see what that and they were yeah. so different you know yeah. and the guys from up north were riding totally different boards from the guys in san diego and yeah. the guys from here were the, and like so like the caton in the winter and the stubbies in the summer was like this gathering thing where it's like, oh my God. And you were more likely to see the guy two co's over in Hawaii than you were in California. You know? Because <laughs> right? you both be in the same time. Or Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't see him at home. You'd only see him, you know, twice a year at some event or, you know, while traveling. Yeah. And um, and so that was so that was what was so exciting about that was they kind of connected the dots and it pushed us and it kind of brought us out of dark ages and then and then you, it just lit the fuse with the Rusties and the Almerics and all those guys on the design side. And yeah. all of a sudden, these guys, these pros are coming to town and getting boards off them. Yeah. And that trickled everywhere. I mean, even Bob Hurley and Bugs and all that kind of stuff. It, yeah. was, it was cool. It's a full networking, you know. But yeah. at the time, you're just thinking of like, I'm just going to go compete up the coast because I love surfing and yeah. I'm here to compete. But then yeah. that networking, which is not kind of what you're there for, right. it ends up happening anyway. Yeah. yeah, and that's the best thing about, you know, when, when you're raising your kids and you're telling them the value of sports. Like, I just say, hey, look, it's yeah. there's it's so many things. It's it's learning how to play and be a team member and doing all that. But it's also just Worth this network. Networking yeah. It's, and, that, yeah. it's that, it's that 
these these connections it's, you're your, making. it's life's fundamentals that you don't yeah. you know socialization yeah. skills and- yeah and, and i think what's cool and unique about it too is like when you start traveling um outside of your own bubble you know that whole nature of staying with somebody at their house is so much more you learn culturally so much more about an area when you stay at somebody's home as opposed to you know some hermetically sealed hotel yeah you know what i mean we talk about it all the time and you you get plugged in local yeah yeah just tourist visitor right you're like oh we're gonna go i'm gonna take you to this secret spot and yeah and most people are proud to show off their like own they're, hometown. They're, they're, yeah. you know, they're local, yeah. local little hidden gems and yeah. stuff. You know? Exactly. And that, and, and that honestly, like such a part, that's such a fun part of the whole surfing yeah. thing. And you know, our whole dream when, when we were, when we watched that movie was like, we didn't think it wasn't about making money or what, cause yeah. like that didn't exist. It was just like, yeah. I just want to go Traveling. on a surf. Tra- I just yeah. want to go there. I like, I want to surf that wave, you yeah. know? And, um, but, so that was the goal. But the local too, like outside of that culture and just the, the, the going to a new town is, you know, you go to Santa Cruz and you're like Steamer Lane or Pleasure Point. And, yeah. the, and the boys are like, oh no, we're going to go to like these other 10 spots. Yeah. yeah. Tell anybody. Yeah, yeah you, totally. If you're just like, you got the surf book and yeah. you're looking at the mag and you're just showing up to the one or two spots that you know, you're yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. Stink guy no, and but, the worst time of your life. Yeah, yeah, but you're not getting infused into yeah. like all the other... Yeah. Non-covered spots. Well, and that's, and it's the periphery, right? Like, yeah. like that's what you, when you think back on all those little trips you made, whether it's tour stuff, it's like, you don't remember that many heats. You remember all the side adventures. Yeah. You know what I mean? And those are the things that make it what it is. Yeah. Um, and whether it was NSSA or whatever. And, and um, yeah, it was fun times. It was just such a fun little period where um all the dots were being connected and you know meeting these guys and i mean the nsa felt like the freaking world tour itself yeah at the time it was a big deal it's crazy you know because they didn't start the nsa right no it existed yeah they came and they just um um it was there but they took over when they started the little sports agency thing they got a deal to coach the team and basically run events and so pat ian's first wife she was pretty much running point meg's been there forever um you know, she was helping, I think, Pat. Because they, they also had the ASP office and the NSA office yeah. for a while. Um, and then, um, and PT. So, yeah. between the, t- the three of them, it, it was, uh, they t- they basically took it over. Yeah. I mean, day-to-day yeah. operations, they were running it. Yeah. Once and, they came And what in. Boothie, you know, kind of uh, was talking, talking about how PT and Ian, they saw the potential of what, you know, Australia was doing that the U.S. needed that kind of like structure, right? Yeah. And picked a Californian, saw the the talent in Tom Curran, mm-hmm. and made him like the poster child for NSSA. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. And he had the talent, and he had the all American everything. Yeah. And I think that's what made it even more appealing to you guys, right? Well, like, yeah. Most of the coast. I think they wanted to pick not just a Tom Curran as a pedestal, but like a guy in each town, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, like a Bud Lomas, like, a, yeah. you know, yeah. like, you know, they, they were, I mean, they came over here to basically awaken the sleeping giant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they also were, look, they also came over cause they were trying to freaking do their bronze Aussie thing, which yeah. is a, a shit show, but it was like, 
but they had all these side businesses and these yeah. side hustles and NSSA was one of them and doing pro-ams was another yeah. and it was just like oh, let's just poke this beast because yeah. you know it's like we know it's here they yeah. were they'd been here 10 years earlier yeah. in the early 70s and stuff and they know what was there yeah. and so um, they basically that's what they did and it was just good timing because you know that shift of like you know, from the late 70s to the early 80s, you had that whole design revolution happening with singles, like singles, twins, thrusters, all in like five, quick. like yeah. really quick. And then it was like cable television, MTV, freaking yeah. disco's dead. Now it's punk rock. Now yeah. it's this. And it's, I mean, Wait. shit was like culture yeah. was changing so yeah. fast. Yeah. And it was like, and so you had these throwback little areas, which Laguna, you know, some of these places tried to be stay regressive. And other places like Newport and Huntington, where the light was shining in early and cracking and the bright stuff was happening. And it took a while for that to kind of work its way through the system. But PT and Ian were all about it. Like, yeah. They were just like, get these get these amped up little Agri-like Groms all over the place. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were looking at it as, you know, like you said, a hustle, like business right. opportunities. But, I mean, their genuine, like, passion for surf right. was, like, there. I mean, PT was my junior high, like, yeah. surf coach. Yeah. You know? Like... Yeah, it was and amazing. we didn't know like yeah how lucky we were. And, yeah. No, I know. I mean, he was going out there. He's like, "You guys need to learn how to bottom turn." You know, I don't want to. I don't care what you do. I want to see you bottom turn, come off the bottom, and go yeah. up. Like, and I just remember that resonating from like yeah day one. And I remember thinking he was Yoda. I remember going. <laughs> I remember just going to Ventura one time when we get there at San Clara, and it was like dead flat, high tide, lapping on the shore, and I'm just like, "This is fucked. How the hell are they going to run an event?" And, and uh, I'll take one more. So, and PT was like, he's squatting in his little bathrobe, and he had this little goatee and everything, and he's just standing there. He's like, "All right, everybody, come back in one hour. We're gonna be on. Don't worry, it'll be pumping." And I'm just like, and I'm gonna tell Sniffs, I'm like, he's fucking high. Who is this guy? And he's like, Sniffs is like, don't worry. And sure enough, we could, we went, got breakfast, come back, the tide dropped, and it's like, oh my god, there's a wave here, you know? I didn't understand that shit because I came from where I came from. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never seen a tide affect a wave that much, you know? So crazy. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my god. So, so how did you do? Yeah. How did you compete? Did you make some heats? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I was like, I was that guy who was, um, I was like Boothy and Eggers and Archie. I was like their speed bump. I have a lot of like fifth place and third place trophies, right? They would like it was pretty rare when I'd get past those their guys. Speed bump. I was, I was their speed bump. Like the sometimes, men- sometimes you would topple them. Sometimes, yeah. The, well, the, the mentally tough guys like Boothy and Eggers were really freaking hard to beat. You know, they were really hard to beat. But like Archies and Dinos and yeah. the McNulties and those kinds of guys were the, the guys who relied more on their talent, not so much strategy. Um, they were beatable. Yeah. You no, know, you could beat them. And um, and so, but like Boothy was the whole package because he had the talent and the strategy. Yeah. And so I don't think I ever beat Jeff Booth in my life, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but like, but those, a lot of those San Clemente guys who I sparred with pretty regularly, I wasn't afraid of them. Yeah. You know? And, um, and so I did all right, you know? And then I was actually, um, by the time... You know, Eggers and Archie turned pro really early. Yeah. And then it was like, um, and and when we were juniors, that was when the NSSA was like really, really prominent. Like it was a big freaking deal to get on the national team. And I remember I just missed out. Like I didn't make the cut and I was devastated to get the national team. 
And I remember... Who, who got on? Uh, so the guy who basically edged me out was Matt Mondragon. Uh, Do you remember that name? Santa Barbara guy. Santa Barbara guy. Remember the Sunset cover, Aaron Chang? Yeah. Big old freaking glassy barrel at Inside Sunset. Yep. It's one of the best surfing magazine covers ever. Yeah. So he made it that year. He was a really good Ring Kong guy. Surfed so smooth and amazing. And then he was so painfully shy, right? And this was the year, this was like the era of the alpha males. Like everybody was just like, I'm yeah. shit, I'm Personality shit. Personality. Yeah. And he was, he was like this very quiet super shy kid and he just wasn't assertive and the next year i remember he didn't make it they didn't they didn't put him back on the team and he was just devastated and i remember he moved to hawaii like a couple months later and then i had he didn't sh- next you know he wasn't showing up to the contest it's like where'd he go oh he moved to hawaii i was like what and we were all young we're like 16 17 and mag shots back then if you were 16 17 like you didn't get like no. it was still it really was hard to get in the mag it yeah. was it was, for, it was tour de guys. It was for those guys. Yeah. I remember going down to the Surfing Magazine office in like January of whatever year it was. I think it was 85 or 86. And that's when their office was down at Pochi. And I'm in Larry Moore's office and I see this photo on the wall, kind of like those ones over there. And it's this tiny speck of a guy in this giant barrel. I'm like, oh my God. God, that is the sickest shot I've ever seen. Who? And they're like, yeah, that's our next cover. I'm like, who is that? They're like, it's Matt Mondragon. I'm like, what? <laughs> what like, did he, he get balls? Yeah, and he he's literally doing a bottom turn in the barrel at this inside sunset wave. Yeah. You should Google it. It's ridiculous. No, I, it's a, I know, you know the one. And it, it's like, distinctly in my yeah. mind. And, he's uh, kind of smiling. He's like... He's just... Yeah. Yeah. And... and, and and uh, apparently the legend has it like Dane paddled up to him right after that wave and he's just like I've been waiting 10 years for that wave (laughs) 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 and he doesn't he's a transplant he's a transplant and he lived over there but he's still there he was he's been I did a when I worked at Surfer Magazine I did a People Who Surf story on him and this is where actually my podcast name came from but um, because that was a column in the back of the magazine oh look Groms and um, he uh he 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 was a, he's been a prison guard there for decades in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. there's a, a prison rat. in Hawaii. That's a special breed of people. Yeah, right he's there, he's man. gnarly. He, he he's the shyest a, guy ever. I don't know how it happened, but it's pretty it's pretty classic. He was really good friends with Jason Bogle. Yeah, yeah. you know he was they they lived on the east side and all that, and they were really really tight. Hi. Hi. Um. So so did you um. What was your first like mag mag shot? Um, Ad or totos? Totos. Yeah, I went on a trip with um, Aaron Chang and Brillhart, and we were on Team Beach Town. <laughs> and uh, the look, it, like, all the logos back then were dead. I remember that being a huge. What is this? Yeah. What a dumb token. name for yeah. a brand. Right? I know it was weird. I don't know. The guy who ran it was a really nice guy. He's still around, Paul Lane, but um. Uh, that was Snips' sponsor, so I just basically I inherited whatever he did at the time. That was <laughs> he sponsored me, sponsor. Yeah, he's like he comes with me, and uh, so uh, we did a little trip out there, and this was before. Um, was Snips already going out there? No, this no. was before that whole like everybody. I mean, uh, people knew there was some. There was rumors of the place being big, you know, and people had certainly served it big, but it was. Um, Aaron Chan goes, yeah, they call it killers. I call it killer poodles. And I'm like, really? And, uh, and it was just like an eight-foot day. But he got a really good shot of me doing a, a bottom turn. And I, was, I think I was a senior in high school. 
and it came out and I was like, oh, that's nice. Cool. It was like a half page, you know, I was like, and it's a nice little glassy wave. They spelled my name wrong, but <laughs> I didn't care. I was like so fired up. Wait, which, it wasn't you, bro. <laughs> which name? Moro, Glass. yeah. Moro, because it's, it's M-A-U-R-O and they spelled it M-O-R-R-O-W. <laughs> My parents were like, can they fix that? I'm like, no, mom, it's too late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they give you a photo of the next bag in the back. That's yeah. not you then. You don't yeah. spell your name that way. Yeah, yeah. Like it's pretty cool. Well, that's, a, that's pretty impressive. I mean, there's not a lot of shots that come out of there or, you know, yeah. there's been times where it's been highlighted quite a bit, but. Yeah. Toto's yeah. is kind of one of those places that was a, um, how do you want to say it? It's like visited then forgotten i know then revisited a lot of those mech forgotten. waves are like that right like, yeah and bud llamas had, you yeah know, those guys were out there, there that one movie there. with the what's the one where they're brushing their teeth and yeah spit, with parker jeff parker yeah. too yeah and it's huge and that oh, I, forget. I, I, I posted it i posted you that did. section yeah it's not off the wall too is it? it's not off the wall too it's, okay i forget it was now. something else like amazing surf story one of those ones. yeah some but, but then but, but yeah. then, you know, the, it's forgotten. And then a couple years later... So yeah, and then it was that, that 88, 89 when Snips and Curran went out there and they got it massive and Larry Moore just flipped his lid. He's like, oh my God, we we're going there every, every freaking day. And, and um, you know, Mike, that was fun. You know, like we'd go out there a lot. I, he sucked me into a lot of that stuff. Hold and, on a second. Yeah, no sweat. It, there were some magic sessions out there for sure, you know, and, and um, uh, I actually had another, Les Walker, he, remember that guy? Yeah. His, he, he, his, I think his, his first, yeah. it's pretty funny, Les Walker, I think it was his first shot he ever got run was of me, and Hank, his first shot he ever had published was of me at Creek. So, what a trip. Yeah, that's Hank a trip photo? Yeah, Hank photo. He was a Creek, because Hank photo was a full kneeboarder at Creek back in the day. He was like... Uh, and then Larry is just like say we need you in Hawaii yeah well he, he got a camera and he started doing it and then it was just like peace out I'm going to Hawaii and became Hank yeah so it was pretty cool it's funny uh, that you mentioned Creek and, and like there's certain dudes that made a name for themselves photographer wise like, yeah at at 54th or not 50, yeah 54th Street was Moyer yeah, yeah. right and then Balzer was South Bay. South, South Bay, Bay, for yeah. sure, yeah. And then Creek was like Flame and... For sure. I mean, well, Flame had a kind of a lockdown on it. If anybody else came there, I mean, Divine and Brewer would pop in every once in a while, but yeah. they were like, those guys were more like focused on the Hawaiians and Surfing Magazine back then was way more progressive than Surfer. Yeah. Talking like 80s, you know, early 80s, mid 80s. They were like totally back in the whole tour thing, whereas the Surfer guys were kind of like, eh. You yeah, know, we still like well, f- a little more sophisticated yeah. adult. Well, yeah, they were exactly. They wanted the. They were still on the Naughton Peterson that kind of trip, you yeah. know, and which was cool. It was yeah. awesome, but they weren't really as bought into the pro surf scene as, as surfing, and yeah. and that's kind of what separated surfing from them because yeah. all the yeah. youth, all the kids were like, we are all we are all in guys. Yeah, growing up, Larry was our our yeah, boss. Yeah, I remember going down there to Creek because you know you knew that's where. The shots came. The shots came. Yeah. And, and meeting Larry. Yeah. And, you know, he was impressed. He's like, hey, come down here. Like, yeah. come down here, like, all the time. I yeah. want to shoot you. And I'm like, okay. And he mentioned, like, get color on your, your you know, yeah. get some color. Yeah. And, you know, he was the one that inspired me to get lavender suits and bright green suits and, like, really yeah. throw color yep. out there. Because I knew. Told, he told him, hey, get yourself a nickname. 
<laughs> no, he's okay. Did. How's late night? Late night's good. No. You guys, you know what? You know what? Late night. You need a mullet. <laughs> did, so did, you, did you come down to Creek a lot? A like, lot. You did. Yeah. And was it more like early '90s when you started coming? Uh, early '90s. Yeah. yeah so probably. Pat and well, Pat and Vinny would have been already pretty graduated too. You would have been part of. Like, yeah, they were. Year. I mean. Pat. Probably like a year or two ahead of you. Yeah, they were not. Yeah, a couple of years. Like okay. Vinny was a few years. Pat's a couple. Right. Um, you know, Donovan was just emerging. Donovan was frothing, man. He was a frother. Yeah. When, when the cameras came out, it was funny. Oh sure. <laughs> he was so. He so was let's go back to sis. <laughs> yeah. Do it. <laughs> so you, you you were a decent competitor, not like full on. I was, and then and then what what worked for me so. I have these little T-Rex arms, right? Like, I'm the slowest paddler in the world. And the NSSA back then was top four waves, 15 minutes beach start. So gnarly. It's a fucking sprint, dude. And I'm like, like, hitty giddy. You know, oh you should just God. do laps Lanky around the yeah, yeah, he's, he's just he's grabbing the floor of the, the <laughs> sand and just scooping it as he like guys like that would just be like the wingspan. They would just be flying by me, you know. And um, and uh. But what was cool was when they when PT and Ian and, and the early days of the kind of Bud Tour started, they had you could be they were pro am so you could enter as an amateur, and I kept finishing like first place amateur, first place amateur, first place amateur, and I'd get like a ninth or a fifth, and all of a sudden they had like their own amateur rankings on the Bud Tour, and meanwhile the NSSA PT and Ian had left, and so it had lost a little bit of his cachet because after they left it was like. I don't even remember who was doing it. It's like some guy from Texas or something, and I was just like, "Yeah, this isn't what I signed up for," you know. Like, and the and the and the pro ams were really kind of exciting, and there was like, you know, you could actually win think, some prize money that you could put in some travel fund. You couldn't take it as an amateur, but you could put yeah. it in a travel fund or something. Yeah. And so that's where um, the door opened for me, because. I started, I kept doing NSSAs for a little bit and I was rated second. Me and Chris Billy were kind of going neck and neck. And then I just said, I'm over this. I'm going 100% pro-ams. And at the end of the year, when the NSSA season ended and the Bud Tour ended, I was the number one amateur on the Bud Tour. And, you know, normally it was like the NSSA guy was the guy who would be getting the, big the contract and, yeah. and, and OP took me you know wow and so it was so, like so was that your first major sponsor yeah okay yeah that from was beach town to to op yeah wow yeah and what boards were you riding by then i was on rusty's you know okay. snips and i were like stewart surfboards when we were groms bill stewart and you know he was actually that whole capo beach scene with the the, the shapers and that little circle in the hobie factory down there that was a whole another unbelievable scene to be a part of yeah because, like, one of my first jobs was ripping the glass factory floor up. No you know, way. Cleaning that thing That's up. hard work. It was. Yeah. Super hard work. And, you know, but, like, Mickey Munoz was in there and the, the, the Patterson brothers and, you know, legends of the whole shaping thing were in that, in that scene, you know. Wow. And it was fun because, like, a new mag would come out and to sit and flip through a magazine with all those guys like that kind of peanut gallery yeah. was fucking amazing you oh, know because mags back then you know they were you you memorized every caption yeah. you knew everything yeah. um you read it you read it front to back front to back yeah over and over and over yeah yeah in the bathroom on the couch yeah you knew everything wherever yeah you pictured yourself in every one of those barrels <laughs> yeah every one of the snaps and yeah like i want to do that yeah but then rusty was making a huge push for clothing or uh, for, for uh, boards, totally boards, you know, and um, 
So it was rusty, peak. I had peak wetsuits. And I love peak wetsuits. Peak wetsuits were all the shit. Yeah. They were the shit. I mean, they, they were Rash, shitty. They were actually the shit. shit. <laughs> they, were, they were shitty <laughs> they wetsuits, cool. but they looked cool. They looked yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> freaking hockey, you know? And then, uh, yeah, no peak. And Laguna Service Sport. Yeah. You know? Good so, little... Uh, it was a good setup. Portfolio right there, yeah. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. And, like, I mean, I look back now and I go... So OP he would overpay the guys, you know? Like, I was overpaid for for what I had accomplished, you know? What, what were you getting paid? I, I mean, I was making more than Boothie and those guys when they were rookies, you know? Cause, wow. Because OP was a bigger deal, you know? Yeah. It was just like... And um, and I remember being meeting Luke Egan and Matt Hoy and those guys. We were all going through the trials together, and they were just cringing for sponsors, you know. And I felt like I felt like an imposter in a way because those guys deserved it so much more. Yeah. And and then um, and they just uh, like so how much was it? How much were you making? I was probably making all in probably forty five. You know, fifty somewhere yeah. in there, like with all my sponsors combined That's for those pretty damn years. good. In, good. Yeah, in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. You know, and what you mean? were how old? I was 18. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I might be a pro surfer. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing was like my parents were sort of at their wit's end because my parents, they were never bought into the whole surf thing. You know, yeah. They were old school depression babies and yeah. like surfers. They were really good to go to surfing. school and yeah. have a trade yeah. or some kind of. Yeah. The reason they even sent me to that private school in 10th grade, I think was to try to get me to quit surfing, like give up on that dream, you know? Cause it was like, I wouldn't get home till 20 minutes before dark, you know? Yeah. But it made me kind of just work harder. Um, but cause you're pretty smart book smart. Eh, no, I wasn't, you know, honestly, I feel like the, the thing is, it's like, like Boothie was a straight A student. Yeah. He was a smart kid. He was a year younger than me, but always, I, you know, I felt like I had the street smarts, but Book smarts didn't come for me until later because mm-hmm. I wasn't interested. I was a I was more of an ADD. If if you look back now and they called kids ADD by what they had, I was full ADD. Okay. Back then, I, I was I had to be. I was and still am. Yeah. <laughs> but what, going back to the NSA, what was cool is I remember going to their um, awards and stuff, and they would call out like how you finished in the year, and yeah, stuff, and your GPA. Like they, you know, oh really? Yeah, they were calling out like that's pretty cool. You know, your your report card grades. Well, know? I remember when when like the time I didn't make the team and I was all heartbroken. I remember Ian made a speech and he goes, "There's going to be a day when the guy who's rated 50th in the world will make 50 grand a year," and I was just like, oh, "He's fucking tripping. Like, there's <laughs> no way that day's ever coming. You know, like that's how far fetched that scene. You did it." Well, no, yeah, I did. Yet. Yeah, I did, but I mean, it was it was just weird because, like, you know, I didn't see the industry getting that big, and yeah. and it really like that late '80s period was like that was almost like a false start compared to the '90s, right? Like, there was that early '90s recession, um, and so that '80s boom, and then the early '90s recession, and then the early '90s was when Slater and your generation came, Jay, and and, and that's when when the industry healed from that recession, right? It just but freaking blew up. Let's talk about Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and how big of a brand Gotcha and Quicksilver were. For sure. And that was mid to late 80s. Oh, for sure. And Stussy, too. And Stussy, too. But Stussy wasn't even... He was a little more early 90s, yeah. Yeah, he was more early 90s. But how big was freaking Gotcha? And they were massive. Especially in Laguna. Cool, how cool... Were the ads and the people that surf for Gotcha? Totally. The that, team, I mean, the marketing, the yeah. the flair, you know, like yeah, the, they had it all for sure. That was like, and that was the other thing about the best part about growing up in Laguna, 
was I remember our team trials for our um, high school tryout team. Um, Michael Thompson and Mark Price were judging. Wow. And it was the best Thalia Street to this day I've ever seen. It was like a two riding <laughs> contest. And it was just like, holy crap, this is killer. Michael Thompson and Mark Price. And Mark Price was fresh off the tour then. He was, you know, he was Potter's like, he was underneath Potter. Yeah. So I um, And so we were kind of like, holy sheesh, this is crazy. And then Gotcha, I mean, they recruited 99% of their employees out of Laguna. Like kids that I went to high school with yeah. who became more artists and stuff. Well, like Jack Art, Denny, right? Yeah, Jack, yeah, Denny, Jack Denny, Denny and, and the, the brothers and all these guys. The flow flows and that. I mean, there's countless. And, yeah. know, and Maui and Sons at the time, too, even though yeah. it wasn't yeah. like as mainstream. It kind of got a little bit more fashion, you know? Kind right. Of, I think... The ads. Yeah. yeah Maui and Sons was more mainstream than Gotcha. Gotcha is more core. That's what I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. But ad-wise, like to your point, Michael was way ahead of his time. So was Stussy though when he when he kind of got his groove. And yeah. he, if you look back at those ads, like Gotcha was doing two-page spreads and, and Stussy was doing like those single pages. And yeah. Like, I remember hanging out in the shop a lot. And when like when Sean first started making clothes, what was cool the way he did it, and I think this is freaking genius to this day, actually, in some regard, but like he didn't come out with a big line. He came out with one short. He's like, hey, guys, I'm making, here it is. It's one short, five pocket, this, that. And it was like, and that was it. And they would sell the shit out of those out of Laguna Service Works. Every kid in Laguna wanted a pair of Stussy shorts. Yeah. And then like the next year, he'd come out with one more pair of shorts yeah. and yeah. a few more t-shirts. And it wasn't like this big giant, you know, bag of full of line. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was just this one piece thing, one piece thing. And then by the time I was repping Billabong, and I met you. you. Billabong? I met you. Let's, let's wait. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to all that. But it yeah. was but going back to even Quicksilver, yeah. They, you know, came in America like seventy-seven ish. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then went public ten years later and Bob was like, ninety percent of her sales was just board shorts. Like yeah. they made some t shirts and maybe a fleece and a hat, but like yeah. totally. they were category like yeah. dominant. What's right. funny is was, Bob was, said Bob said, um, yeah, we were making board shorts and you know, we're never gonna make this, we're never gonna make that. <laughs> Our next thing was corduroy pants. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> but you know, like, like yeah, corduroy pants. Totally. But I, but I think like Stussy and those guys kind of took a note of like that, you know, that playbook of yeah. like, you know what, I don't need, yeah, you know, the liability is a startup. I'm small, like yeah. you know, a couple of t-shirt graphics, and then come out with one, something cool. Yeah, I, I just, man, I'm just such a fan of what the advertising was in that period. In that period. Uh, oh yeah. Like the marketing behind Gotcha, mm-hmm. them uh, standing in line waiting for the bathroom mm-hmm. in front of the liquor store. Yeah, that was it's no, still they, etched in my brain. You know, oh. like that that ad and and, and all the ones wearing with the like beret, the, the girls bending over and yeah. the guys hanging. Yeah, it was just like they were very progressive. Surf, sex, and, and rock and roll, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and MT was a legend on that front and did. The phenomenal job yeah like when you look at what he did and that was like the other thing that did and you to you know this goes back to larry moore's thing right and telling you to wear color yeah you know his whole move of larry light you know everything had to be front lit everything you know they they that was a very hardcore choice for them to make their magazine look more sophisticated. They're looking at Sports Illustrated and they're going, we need to make our magazine look like this. We do not. Yeah, they're using all these sun shields and all these like, like, you know. If it's not F8 and this and whatever, perfect light and front lit, if I can't see that guy's face, it doesn't go in. And Surfer was still running these muddy, backlit, you know, crappy old photos. And and they're like, 
good, but they just didn't look good in print. Yeah. And surfing looked really vibrant and it was very colorful and for yeah. that time and Chris, like yeah. and so the gotcha ads were such a perfect blend yeah. for that. And then and then, and and then it you know that was the cool thing too is like it was the space race with the brands because they made everybody else step up their ad game yeah. over yeah. the years, yeah. you know, and, and it was cool to see that and be part of that. So back to you yeah. and turning pro. You turn pro with OP a dick peak rusty and then I had like a very flash in the pan career my like my my claim to fame was I got third place another third place at the uh, the first contest they ever had at Tabby the Shut OPP the Pro. yeah you made it all the way to the semis, semis yeah so I How lost sick I, yeah I was I, I was super what um, year was that 87 yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. That was like not even yeah. really known like place and they held a contest back that long yeah. ago. Yeah, that was like that. that was when they built the scaffold on the reef. They wow. built like OP was the one who put that thing on there. That uh, the only thing on Tabby then was the restaurant and there was there was no sidewalk or anything. There was just like little trail between sand trail between berets and and um It was the um, OP contest though? Yeah, it was the OP okay. Fiji Pro. And so it was um and I, you know, like Derek Ho was the only guy who'd actually been to Tabby before. He'd been there with Mike Stewart, and there was like a feature in the mag. It was like, there was Naughton Peterson, and then there was Derek and Mike Stewart, and this was like the third time that anybody had really seen it, you know? And it was fun, you know, like the, the ways it was good when we got there. It was like six to eight cloud break, and, and, um, uh, I was, you know, once I got to the point where, if I can get into a heat where it wasn't four waves in 15 minutes or three, what I felt like I had a decent shot. And Snips taught me how to use the priority buoy. And so when I, anytime I, of course I, he did. You know, anytime <laughs> I had a, like, he, didn't he, didn't he, uh, the one that yeah. put that in place? No, yeah, just kidding. Seriously. And it was like, uh, so that was my first time ever using the priority buoy. And I knew it, uh, I forgot to tell you, I was a priority, I was a priority judge <laughs> when I was um, a Grom. I used to work at the Stubby's Pro in Oceanside. Oh and I got God. a job on the scaffold, and no that was when that was right when they set the you know PT invented the whole priority buoy thing, and they used to have these the shifty thing. And that yeah. was like the first guy they hired to shift that thing and make call the shots. Like funny. in 1984, so you were the priority old. guy. And I was a priority was judge. A t-shirt salesman. Yeah, and Taylor Knox was checking in jerseys. <laughs> You know what I mean? Taylor, hear, Taylor, hear that, Grums? Yeah, it was yeah. T- Taylor because I I wrote a little story about that on my Instagram the other day. And Taylor's like, dude, I was at that event too. I was the guy giving out jerseys, you know? That's so hilarious. And it was so funny. And I was like way up in the tower. And I had that gig for three years. And it was a fun job. Because you're a grum. You're going to be at those events no matter what. Yeah. Anyway. So if you could somehow like get paid for it and hang out. Oh, get yeah. paid for it. But more, more behind the scenes and yeah. see the pros and be all up and close. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was it was awesome. And so um, that was a really fun gig. And so when I got into those heats, I remember Snips was like, you never sit out the back pass the guy if you don't have second priority so i sat underneath Derek because he started the heat with the priority and he wanted to go way up the reef up to the ledge and so i sat like 30 yards down and i was just like picking off these insiders that were roping in our quarterfinal and they just kept going you know and and, and he never he was moved he set. was just waiting for the bomb and the bombs never came by the time it was it was hilarious he just uh, he just made a dumb mistake by yeah. sitting up there and um, and that was like so you beat Derek that, so I beat yeah which was a big thing at the time because he was kind of the fa- he was like the goofy foot oh, yeah. he'd been there he was just park himself in the barrel the whole thing and, and um, 
but it, it, that was a that was a big deal. But then I lost to Glenn. Then then they freaking called the contest off the, for the day, which in that time there was no surf line, there was no nothing. It was like we think it's gonna be better tomorrow. Then the next day it was like freaking three feet. Oh, and <laughs> and I how was your backside? My today? backside has always been my strongest thing, yeah. actually. But um, the funniest thing is I had Glenn Winton in the semis, Mr. X, Mr. Mr. X, X, and. Um, and I remember I paddled. I got this wave down the reef, and I was paddling back out. And back then, you had to circle the buoy. And I had a 50-yard lead on him, like 50 yards I had on him to get to the buoy. We both just finished waves, and he went back. And it was kind was of towards the end of the heat. He was behind me. 50 yards behind me. He was 50 yards behind me, and he caught me because <laughs> my T-Rex arms. You know, like, <laughs> and he, he had gloves on, too. Oh, he yeah. did. Yeah. He had webs. He had full webs. And he smoked me, and then he, yeah, torched me. And then I was so bummed because Curran won. He was in the, and I wanted to be in the final with Curran so bad. You know, I just, That's like, pretty insane, though. Yeah, it was cool. What, did, what kind of prize money did you make? That was like 3500 bucks or something. That's it wasn't that much. Sick. Yeah. 87? Yeah. It's still good. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't is that there, much. Is there video footage of this? Yeah, there's a whole fucking show. Really? Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. So, well, well, side note on, on Mr. X, yeah. one of the first... Like times I've scored cure, like proper cure off the, like the, the the groin, you know, yeah. like legit, like good. Mm. This guy making like the craziest airdrops with his gloves, but he wouldn't like backside. You you drag yeah. your arm or your butt into the face of the wave to ha- like for control. He wouldn't touch anything. He'd have both hands on the deck. Really? Yeah, he had the most. Weird. Like, was it a layback, lean forward kind of thing? Yeah, he was. It was kind yeah. of like a lean forward, and he had he'd had like both hands on the yeah, deck. Yeah. And I watch him go by, thinking this guy's gonna get like no nope. pitched. He's getting spit out a hundred yards every time. That's wow. so trippy. He just had it. I mean, that's where you know, yeah. mastered it. But I, I just he I was. Just, a trip. I remember him. He was a trippy dude. Like, I just yeah. It was. I, I was blown away on how good of a barrel rider that guy was. Yeah. And watching like it was unorthodox almost yeah like, yeah compared to everybody else but all those like there's a lot of those guys and luke was kind of one of them those lanky the goofy pool. foot guys who who were so fluid and just twisty and doing yoga poses backside in the barrel yeah he that stuff lean forward. Yeah, yeah like i mean chappy and all those guys like that the whole weird lanky for lean forward layback thing was cool who is it that guy china that drug his foot oh yeah i don't I forget I, the guy's name I thought I, his name was like China or something like that. I can't remember, but yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. With Ryan Hawaiian China. guy though, right? Well, there's there's that guy from Hawaii, and then there's an Australian guy that I remember. Remember uh, Michelle Perez did that one in Tabby yeah. a couple years back? That was heavy. <laughs> that was yeah. Ryan Turner does those yeah, too. Turner yeah, Turner does yeah. too. That was pretty sick. Those things are... So that was the highlight. How long did you like... No, so, how do you so, know it was a highlight, dude? No, it was. It was. That was like that was the that was the flash in my pan, right? And yeah. and um, uh, I did like you know the thing for me was it was kind of funny because I told you about the tour that we fell in love with when we that movie came out. It was Burley yeah. and this and that. Well, dude, if you go look at the tour schedule from like uh, 1988, it was like Wollongong, Najima, you know. Yeah. Just Florinopolis, St. Augustine, Florida, freaking Seaside, New Jersey. It was worse than the Bud Tour. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, no. it, not I'm not joking. 
And so, I mean, I would fly to Japan and I would make it to like the fourth, last round of the trials and get third and miss out on the main event. That happened to you at one point for one stretch. And there was 37 events that year. Damn. There was one stretch where I made nine last round of the trials in a row and got third place. In a row. Didn't make the main event. You know? And I was losing my mind, you know? And, so hard. And so, it was, it was tough. And I remember, you know, because Snips, again, was like... By that time, he had been on tour for a year, few years, and so I had a few years to myself where I got to kind of become who I was, and um, and by the time I was traveling with him, I had my own opinions, and I was a smart ass, and I was a little shit, and you know thought I was whatever, cool, and you know he was still really bought into the entire tour thing, like he was like, this is insane, this is what we got, and I'm just like, this isn't really what I'm, you know, and so I just wasn't. It was kind of weird because I. I was questioning things and he wasn't, you yeah. know, and, and like he didn't have any patience for anybody who wasn't all in. Yeah. And, and that was really like, a, um, for me, it was like a big kind of weird turning point in my career. And then meanwhile, so what happened was, um, I had a skin cancer thing on my back and it was pretty gnarly. Like it was a big scare, a mental illness scare. And I had to stay home for like a month and I missed like four events and I think it was 88 or early 89. And at that point, that's just every event counted. Then it wasn't your top ten. It wasn't. It was pre QS. Yeah. Average or, yeah. And there's 37 events. Yeah. So so when you miss four events, dude, you're dropping. I was like in the mid 30s, and I was dropping. And you, you back then, you wanted to be at 32. Yeah. And um, I went from like 35 to like 98, and in in a month, and it was like. And meanwhile, when I got better, when I had my surgery and covered and I was back home and the Bud Tour is blowing up and yeah. you're like I don't have to leave I don't have to leave yeah. and the waves are fun and I'm actually making more money and you're like and and that was really fun you know and so it was like that became kind of my thing and I just milked that for a while uh, until so you know, focused it, on PS. I, I basically focused on on Bud Tour because after I dropped I'm like I'm not going back out there to yeah. do to go surf that when I could just do this. Yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah. just too easy, you know? Like it's better money and you're getting TV coverage cuz the thing is when you go on the tour back then, you disappear. You can't get in the mags. You don't have time to go shoot. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the whole QS struggle. Probably heard it a million times. And um and so the Bud Tour meanwhile was like it was thriving. It was going doing its thing and and what was interesting was um while I was sidelined, that's when I actually started doing, you guys probably, maybe too young to remember, but like when they did those Bud Tour shows, I used to be the sideline reporter. I started yeah. doing that when I got injured. Yeah, that, okay. I, I have, so and that's, that was your introduction. That was too. sort of like my entry into the media world, okay. you know? And, um, you know, it'd be PT, Mike Chamberlain, and Chris Morrow on the beach. Yeah. And I'd be the guy, like, I would actually surf heats, whatever, I'd, I'd surf till I lose. So how did you get chosen? Yeah. Uh, Alan Gibby was the guy who shot the Fiji OP Fiji contest. Okay. And he remembered like I'd done some funny interviews and stuff during that whole thing. He's like, Chris, you know, you're, you're not shot. You're, yeah. You weren't shy in front of the camera. Yeah. And you're just like, Hey, you got, you can hold some chops. And, and you know, and, and then not only that, but like I actually started writing stuff for the magazine through Larry Moore. Like we do like a little trip to Mexico and we score. And I wrote up an article 
Were you keeping a journal and you just took notice, or were you the, like, how um, did you... You know, so what would happen is we, Larry, we'd go score, like, Baja Malibu. And yeah. I was with, like, Clisby and I forget who else, Shane Beshin, a couple of guys. And we just scored one day, and Larry's like, hey, we want to do a feature. Do you want to write an article about what we did? And I'm all, sure. Take a stab at it. And so sure. I just wrote this little piece, and it was kind of comedy, you know, sketch thing about the whole little day or whatever and how it happened. And, and they loved it. And they're just like, dude. You got to do this more. And then Gilovich was at Surfing Magazine back then. And that was pre-Surfline. He was still the guy. And, and then he would just start. He's like, hey, Chris, can you um, can you go do our wetsuit catalog? Go to Natividad and try out all the wetsuits and review all the wetsuits for us? And yeah. I was like, sure. Game on. I think that's genius for <laughs> that them. I mean, I, I'm sure they are wearing many hats, like at the yeah. bag, trying to do a lot of stuff. But to get a youth... Right. Or somebody, yeah. their demographic that they're going after to write it and their perception versus, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I'm sure it resonated on a lot, a lot of levels. It, it, it was good. And for me, you know, look, again, my generation it was like, this is pre-Slater. You didn't even think about buying a house or something from pro surfing. It was yeah. more just like, how do I keep this dream alive? How yeah. do I get a job that allows me to just keep surfing? Yeah. Right? Keep my parents on my back. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, that was it. You know, it was just like, so... I would do it. It was take and, and the, the Bud Tour prime ticket gig was a cool gig because it was like I was getting paid no matter what. And then if I did well in the contest, like made it to the quarters or the semis or the final, it's like that was just extra money. Yeah. You know? And um, did there that was happen? A, yeah, there was a few where it would be like I'd make the quarters or the semis, you know. And so uh, they would be talking me up and then be like, "Okay, Chris is out of the water now." Get on the beach, you know, like put them to work, you know, it was that kind of funny. It yeah. was, it was fun. And at that time where you just having fun and like collect an extra paycheck or I was think, like, if I do well, then I could be the Dave Stansfield or no, GT. Did, like what it, were your aspirations? I didn't, you know, that was the, actually, it's a good question because, um, you know, at that point, once I started showing up on TV and then my parents were like, Oh wow, okay, yeah. you know, yeah, a my dad legit. <laughs> yeah, my dad's a doctor. His patients are coming and going. I saw your son on TV, and he's like, "What? Oh, you know." And and That's so then funny. it was like, "Well, why don't you go? Why don't you pursue this?" And I'm like, "Eh, you know." And it, it was fun, but it's like, it's it it wasn't necessarily um, that wasn't wasn't your passion wasn't my passion. You know, the 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 writing stuff was actually a little bit more fun, and and so what was interesting is I was getting ready to go back to school. And do the bud tour, go back to school, and um, college. And yeah, just yeah. go back to college because I didn't. You know, I went to high school. I did a semester of junior college and then hit the tour. And I was getting all ready to go back. And then um, you guys probably remember Mark Reader. Yeah. yeah. So when Reader left Billabong, and uh, he was like the team guy, and I remember going, maybe I should talk to Bob Hurley about trying to get a team job, right? And the funniest thing is, I went up. Talk, called this up is, Bob. This you've was, already been a. This is while I was on the Bud tour, and okay. I'm getting ready to go back to and school. You're commentating yeah, and all that. but my OP thing was over. Yeah, you know, and um, this was like early '90s, and um, so I met Bob. He was like, "Yeah, dude, come up, let's talk." And we had a good meeting, and I talked. To, I asked him about if he was looking for a team manager. He goes, "Look, you know what?" He goes, "He goes, I'm looking." He goes. But I think I might promote with, from within. There's a guy, Paul Gomez, who's been here for a while. I think we're going to give him a shot, you know? And I go, I go, totally understand. No worries. You know, like, I get it. And it was good conversation, whatever. I walked right out of the office. And I walked right by Mike Lesher. And I don't know if you remember Mike yeah. Lesher. He's a sales, he was the sales manager. manager. And so 
I go home. I don't think anything of it. I'm watching TV and I'm like looking at classes, literally looking at this. Mike's like, Bob, what was he in here for? The catalog, yeah. And and the phone rings. That this, same is, day. this is the same afternoon. This is yeah. like three hours later. And it's Mike Lesher and he's like, hey, is this Chris? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, my name's Mike Lesher. I've been looking all over for you. And I'm like, okay, yeah. He's like, I'm up. Uh, I'm the sales manager at Billabong. I'm like, okay, so he obviously knows I was there today. And I'm like, he goes, hey, man, you're a hard guy to find them all. I go, well, how'd you get my number? He goes, oh, Gary Clisby gave it to me, whatever. So we're looking for a sales rep, and we've been asking around, and people keep bringing up your name. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, and so I'm like, I was just like, uh, this is it Orange County. This is Orange County, yeah. And so the, the so so the zone. So he's like, he goes, well, how much money are you making now? I'm like, not very much. Like, <laughs> starts spinning out. And he goes, you'd be making significantly more, you know. And I go, well. Yeah, I get it. But, like, I was literally, my heart was set on school. And so I wasn't attracted to this job yeah. at all. And he thought I was playing hardball. He's all, listen, man. <laughs> let's just go. Let's Are you crazy? Breakfast, right? <laughs> like, he's all, let's go to breakfast. And so uh, he goes, I'll meet you at Coco's tomorrow in Corona Del Mar. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I go and meet him. And I, and I, I, this point, you know, we never, we didn't get introduced the day before. He sees me. He goes, you were in the office yesterday. <laughs> I so go, he didn't know. He didn't know. And I go, I go, yeah, I thought you knew that. He goes, no, what were you doing in there? I go, I go, I was talking to Bob. Trying to get Bob. Bob manager. Trying to be a team manager. <laughs> yeah, totally. He's like, you idiot. I'm giving you. He's doing it, Bob. He's like a golden goose. Totally. And so he's like, he's like, listen, man. And, and he's trying to, so he's talking me up on what he was doing. And the funny thing is, is like, Billabong at that time, they were still a t-shirts and trunks line. Like primarily, that was their bread and butter. Bob was just starting to get a little bit more serious with the teeny bit of cut and sew on on the trunks and everything. And they were still fighting for. It was early '90s. They were still fighting for some decent space. Quicksilver was dominating. Yeah. You know, they owned everything. They Quicksilver was putting these huge. They're public, so they're putting all those huge displays in your guys' shops and everything. And um, and they they hired me certainly not for my experience it was just because it's like hey this guy's just fresh out of the mags he'll work whatever i don't even know what a swatch was dude they handed me the bag of clothes they're like okay here's your account list here's your bag here's your swatch i'm like did you ever work at lss no i worked at stewart's i worked at stewart's but i hung out in the shop and it was like and i worked retail in san clemente yeah um so So i kind of had i i had i had the the gift of gab and all that but you know, in terms of like the want to do it and everything, yeah. and it was it was fun. Like for the first year and a half, and meeting all you guys and Chris and Darren, and, and you were like the board guy in the back, and you would buy all the Billabong videos off me. Yeah, this was like Jack McCoy heyday, Bunyip dreaming. So fun. Um, yeah, like the videos were just starting to go nuts. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? It was like green iguana green iguana yeah. dreaming in the wind in all the that wind. yeah um, yeah fuck, that was yeah you guys that was the golden age of billabong and um and then i remember like i remember walking into Paxson, and like nobody told me before i went in there that they had 50 stores then that was a lot back then like that was <laughs> You're like I, I think there's only one in southern california yeah. you, know? Like, <laughs> you know and it was so funny so i was so green and and um but it worked out pretty well. Like I got promoted pretty quickly. They gave me, I started with like accessories and wetsuits and all that kind of stuff. And then I had the men's line. But, and so it was really exciting, but I was 23 years old. And I remember 
um, in the early 90s, the, the, the recession was pretty deep. They started building all those carpool lanes back then. And so half the freeway lanes were shut down for a good chunk of time. And my territory was rip curl to the 10 freeway to the Arizona border. And so I was driving around eight hours a day. And, you know, I was like fresh pretty much off of like traveling all over the world to sitting on the freeway eight hours a day. I know that feeling, buddy. Yeah, yeah I, know that, I know that feeling really well. It was gnarly, and yeah. I, and and I was um, I was like, after about a year and a half, I remember pulling up a creek one day, and it was in the afternoon. It was like a day like today. And it was fall, just firing, crispy, glassy, whatever. But I was so fried from driving, I didn't have anything in the tank to paddle out, and I was like, fuck, this is a fucking bad place. And so it was like. It was really weird for me to be making really good money, living in a nice house in San Clemente. Did you buy a house in San Clemente? No, I was living with <laughs> I was living with Chris Burke, who was like employee number one of Arnett. You know? Big B, <laughs> yeah, Big B, and uh, we were sharing this big house. And um, but you know we had this mansion, and and then, but I was miserable. Like about a year and a half in, I just realized, like, man, this is. And the only time that I would sort of get my mojo back was Dave Parmenter was my shaver and he lived on the central coast yeah. and so Central's every time I would go up to get a board I would go stay with Dave for a couple of days and he was just like you know he was on the snips program like dude you're surfing at like 4.30 a.m. <laughs> till like 7 then you can go to work he would be he was you know Dave's funny because he's like this crusty character a lot you know publicly but when you're his guest in his house, he just completely takes care of you. He's like, here's some tea, here's some this, here's some oatmeal, let's get, you know, and then it's just like, all right, tomorrow morning we're gonna be heading up, I'm gonna take you, you're gonna freak out where we're going. And it'd be like, you know, you'd be paddling out and we'd be surfing some misto spot up on near Big Sur by ourselves and just getting perfect waves. And you're just like, oh my God, I'm alive. Like yeah. I can do this still, yeah. like this is that. And so like after the third or fourth time that happened where I was like, I was driving back down feeling so a lot like, I'm saying, and then you're like, holy shit, you're back in the smoggy grind freeway thing. And um, I was just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And John O'Connor, who's like my, he's sort of my North Star in terms of I don't do anything without talking to him. He, he and I have been friends since we were little kids. Yeah. Um, and he's pretty much a rep. He's like the underground super rep yeah. private label guy of the, yeah. of the industry, right? Yeah. For a long time. And, and, um, and just the nicest guy in the world and very, very yesterday's yeah he's um he's the guy who's been you know just unbelievable um he's like look give it three months and if you feel the same way then you know it's real you know and so three months later i was like give me out of peace out and randy at moondoggies meanwhile on one of those trips he's like chris if you ever want an escape hatch i need a manager up here wow and um so back up a second yeah (laughs) You are walking away yeah. from a six-figure mm-hmm. income where you yes. pretty much, you don't really have a boss. The, the boss is you. you, yes. And you're working for one of the top three at the time yeah. brands in the industry. Raddest people, nicest people. In the selling stuff. Your zone was the mecca. It was the prized possession of it, and not. And the 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 the, the, the sad thing is, the guy who had the job before me was a freaking very professional rep, Richard Knight. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. 
and was like, you know, and I felt like they kind of wedged him because they were they were kind of doing the image thing, you know, like oh we got to get a young surf hardcore, got to get, yeah, gotta get you know? somebody that represents the brand. And um, and when I left, you know, Lesher and I were talking. How long and did I'm like, you last? Oh. Year and a half. No, I lasted two and a half all in, but it was like a year and a half before I started. Like the first year, you're like honeymoon. It's like this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then like reality set in about a year and a half, and yeah. then I was probably out of there two two and a half years. Yeah. And um, it's it's crazy. Sorry to no, that's okay. cut you off because I mean that is one of the best jobs in, the in well at that time, in our industry. Yeah, it was. But keep in mind, like I said, my accounts were I had PacSun, which was. 50% of my income. And, um, but like, you guys used to owe us a shitload of money. <laughs> like, Newport Surf and Sport would be like, you know, eight months behind. All these guys, it was, Wait, can half I say of my something? accounts were on credit cards. Huntington Surf and Sport yeah. would always pay ASAP <laughs> as soon as Aaron paid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so, so it, it was, it was an awesome, like, don't get me wrong, it was, it was awesome. And I learned a lot and it was like, really like, for me, I look at those two years, it was like, a, it was like taking a college class in yeah. business and yeah. you learn the ins and outs and it was really, really fun and I enjoyed it. But when I got up to San Luis Obispo and I remember I was, I've told this story a few times, but it's like, I remember I was sweeping the curb one day outside of Moondoggies in the fall and the guy from the sandwich shop next door, this old little guy named Bob, he starts, he comes out there, he starts sweeping and the barber across the street he steps outside and he starts sweeping and it's this beautiful fall day. It's like, hey, Bob, hey, Joe, whatever. And I remember just looking at this scene just going, this is fucking heaven. You know, and I had gotten like the best waves earlier that morning yeah. and I was making one-fifth the money and I was doing what I loved and I was going back to school and I was working and then I ended up, Dave met Rel's son. He and Rel's son got married. Rel became my roommate half the year. You know, and then when I'd start doing my Hawaii trips, I would go stay at Kaha instead of the North Shore for that stretch of time. That was a whole other thing. Yeah. And um, and Dave, and so then I got I inherited Dave's shaping room, so I started shaping boards. What? And I did. Yeah, I shaped like a thousand boards up there, and I was selling boards at the shop. I was going to school. I was managing the store. You know, and it was it was just can I freaking heaven? Can I interject a story yeah. right now? And I don't know if I read it in an article or, or uh-huh. saw it on TV or something like, but it's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Whoa. So your dad's a doctor. Yeah. Right. And your brothers are professionals. Yeah. So they went to school. And yeah. That. I mean, they, it was a very conservative family. And so every, you know, brothers went to Stanford. One went to Oxford. Whoa. You know, they're, yeah. they're all academics, yeah. you know, and, and, um, so pretty successful guys. Yeah. So, uh, Chris's dad said, Hey, Chris, <laughs> you know this surfing thing you know professional surfing thing you, you gotta you gotta stop doing this because you know you could travel to anywhere you want in the world if you have a really good career and you can afford to do that and you could do that later on in life and and, and your your reply was i know dad <laughs> no he was like he was like he's a you know look at your brother he's 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 went to school and he's got a good job and now he's traveled and he's surfed a lot of these waves you know like the same ones you surfed and I go yeah but dad he didn't surf them well <laughs> yeah he goes yeah dad but I go to those places and I surf them well and I surf them well yeah. that was a big that was a yeah. bad quote it was like a big it was like a so good. Cool yeah. 
Yeah, it was so but it's, funny. It's, that helped me get my job at Surfer. Okay. That quote. Because they, they, it was one of those theme issues where they ask everybody in the world the same question, you know? So that was like my answer was that little story. And um, they were all cracking up internally so bad at that one. Like, I was, so awesome. they go, dude, we're getting fan mail from that letter, like from that little quote. And I was just like, that's funny. All right, I and, hate to take the focus oh, off you real no, quick. Okay. But because of your quote, I'm reminded of Jay Lars' quote in Vogue. In Vogue know. magazine. Oh, really? Or Teen Beat or some, some girly magazine. Uh-huh. And they ask questions, the same question to yeah. a bunch of people. Do you believe in love at first sight? <laughs> and guess what Jay's answer is? What? It happens to me every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. He goes, yeah, it happens to me two or three times a day. <laughs> I think it says every day, but yeah. I think I remember hearing about that. Uh, oh, my God, dude. You were comedy, man. Uh, so that good. was awesome. Yeah. That's funny that you remember that. Because oh. it, it was, it, you know, when I was living up there... Um, so how I, long? Yeah, how long did that? I was up there for five years. Wow! And um, and it was cool because um, the mags would call me from time to time, going, "Hey, um, like Steve Hawk called me. He's like, hey, Brock Little and Noah Johnson are going to Cape Town to go explore some big waves. Do you want to go and be the writer?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah! Like, let's do yeah. it!" And, and, and so, the, the shop, you're, you could have so, so yeah, so I could. No, the shop guys were like, high five me. Yeah, yeah, yeah go. And um, Randy Athers. Yeah, He's the, he's the best. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, we went down there and we were sitting in Cape Town and it's just like these freaking gnarly storms hitting Cape Town and we're like, this is this is a mess. Let's just go to J-Bay because it's going to be firing. So we ended up going to J-Bay and I ended up staying in J-Bay for like two months down there. Just wow. like, it was one of the best trips of my life. You know? And those guys came back? Those guys came back because the Cape Town thing was a wash. Like these storms kept hitting and the, but they had weather with them so yeah. the waves weren't good. And, mean, and the, we went back and forth to Cape Town and J-Bay a couple times and then finally we were just like, fuck it, let's just camp out in J-Bay and then we'll keep our eyes on Cape Town. And it's Cape, hard to leave J-Bay to put it that way. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Especially back then and this was like a really good year. And we were like sipping teas in our B&B, just looking at perfect J-Bay. It was ridiculous. And back then, you know, you could, it was cheaper to stay in Africa than it was to be at home. Yeah. You know? Um, but that, those kinds of opportunities would pop up from mags and stuff like that. And they actually called me a couple years before, and they go, hey, there's a job opening up. Do you want it? And I was like, no, no, I'm still having way too much fun up here. Like, I was still... It's hard to describe to people who, like don't spend a lot of time what the central coast means because it's like you don't it's, surf in crowds you go yeah. find these waves by yourself yeah. and like it's a little so nice overhead wave yeah, yeah it's and just, you thought of the mag being yeah. more of that like corporate like it was just like oh, i'm not sure if i'm ready for that no. again you know and then but then a couple years later um i was uh that's they gave me a call and they said this they go hey it's opening up again you want to throw your name in the hat and at that point i was kind of ready so like uh, Danielle Beck and I were she was a shop girl and she and I were dating for a while and she was kind of ready to get out because she had graduated and stuff like that and so we all came down and we're just like alright let's do it and um, that's when I went back to the like 1998 went to work for the mag and wow. stayed there for 10 years 10 years that's huge to surfer surfer okay. yeah so well, and what was your well, I started at, a, uh, at, at, at with Evan Slater. I was the associate editor, and it was Hawk, Evan, me, myself. And then Hawk, the whole reason he was brought me in was because he was leaving. And so then it was me and Evan for a little while. And then the whole dot-com thing happened and stuff like that. So I was editor 
from 2004 to 2008. So um, I was managing editor for a good chunk of time. But I mean, it was that was actually, you know, when I look back at my sort of career in terms of like what I did as far as what it was like to be a pro surfer. When I think about it, it's like the magazine was sort of a version of being a pro surfer because yeah. it allowed you to travel and yeah. do it on your terms and go do where you want it. So in that regard, it was like, it's 20 times better than the tour because you're not, you're not sitting there trying to get ready for a heat. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to go discover, I'm going to go explore this place. You're going I'm going the go best time person. of the year. Yeah. The best opportunity because yeah. you're investing as, you know, yeah. as a company. It's a workation. It's a workation. <laughs> yeah. One of, the first trips that, one of the first trips I actually put together was the September Sessions one. What? Yeah. So that whole trip was my baby. That whole thing was just like... I the went, Jack Johnson poor specimen. The... the one of the loose, best surf videos. change, yeah. So it was like... It was a whole movie and like done in 10 days. One, yeah. So we... So the, the, the funny thing about that trip, people don't remember, but Kern and Aki were supposed to be on that too. Oh my God. Kur, it was Kern, Aki, Slater, Ross, Dorian, Luke, Gerlach. Ger was funny because he was sort of in like a midlife crisis and he's like, Moresby. That's, he, he calls me I Moresby. I need to on that. He's like, dude, you got to get me on that thing. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I need you on this thing for comedy relief. You know, like, yeah. good, like Ger, you know? Yeah, entertainment. And, and, uh, and so... Um, so yeah, we had a really good crew. Both Tom and Ock were in like little bit of weird places, and like they like literally the day before they both pulled the plug. They're like we can't come. Like wow. And um and so and both separately. Yeah, Tom was down in Panama. Aki was somewhere else. He was like he was in just kind of. Could you imagine still, those guys in that? Yeah, yeah, I know it would have been sick. And it would have been fun, sick. The funniest thing but is I don't think <laughs> the funniest thing is like when um. When we came back from that trip, because it was in late September, early October is when that trip was, of that year, of 99, and um, I remember seeing Tom at Ross Williams' house in North Shore a few months later. We were on the North Shore. How'd the waves work? And I, he, goes, he goes, hey, so how, how, how were the waves on that trip? I go, oh, it was pretty good, you know? And I kind of just, like, talked it down, you know? And then the next day, I go, I go hey, Ross, I got, a, I got a video clip of our trip. He's like, oh, sick, pretty pie. Because the movie didn't come out for another year. Jack was, his music career was taken off when he got home. And so, um, it took that long for it to, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty interesting story, but like I throw the thing in and Tom's there on the floor and he sees the shit pop up and he's like, what the fuck? Like I've never seen six to eight foot yeah, for like, glass. Yeah. Six to eight foot HT. He's like, you, you just said it was pretty good. Like he was so, I've known Tom a long time because we were OP together. We yeah. traveled and all this stuff. I've never seen a reaction like that from him. Like he was just like visibly upset. Like, oh. oh my god! I'm so, he was so pissed at himself. I'm upset that he wasn't on. <laughs> Tom, I'm pissed that you weren't on that. It. it was so funny. Yeah, he was he was pissed. But yeah, that was a that was a really cool thing. And then when we came back, um, I gotta rewatch that movie. By the way, it's so good. It's it's a great movie. It's a. I Kelly, mean, Kelly was going for those. Double rail grab alley like yeah. stuff before. It, I mean, I don't know if the moves necessarily hold up, but no, the barrels do. Yeah, no, the, the barrels certainly. But just hold up. The, the mindset of like yeah. what, just was, the colors of it and yeah. everything. Yeah, and, and the mental eyes seem empty yeah. then. Well, yeah. yeah, it was like barely anybody there. Yeah. you know what's crazy is the opening opening shot that Jack, because Jack shot every frame of, of September sessions. That was all him. Yeah. You know. Um, 
he, uh, Sonny Miller was there and Dave Holmes, he was there too. They were shooting because we had a surfer TV crew. So there was also a show that we did for surfer on that. And then, and then MG was there for loose change, you know, which, and, and that whole thing. But, um, but the opening shot of Slater pumping in the barrel, it's one of the best water shots of moving water shots I've ever seen to this day. And Jack shot it. Like yeah. Jack's in the water, swimming the whole time in the barrel. And Kelly passes him like after like three or four pumps in the barrel to catch up. Like he's so deep. If you, if you go back, watch that one. Yeah, it, it, sure. It's insane, you know? And, and it was, uh, it was kind of funny. Cause when Kelly, when we was talking to him about the trip, he's like, I had spent that whole nineties chunk when you guys were hanging sure. out at Benji's house and all that, I was on, I was up North. And then when I was going to Hawaii, I was staying in Makaha because, like, I would be staying with Rel and all that. So, you know, I was kind of part of that little Ronald Hill tribe back in the day when Brock and all that. I was like, I'd stay at Brock's house and we'd go to Ronald Hill's house. But in the 90s, like, uh, I sort of was out of the scene. I was, like, completely misto. And, and, um, and so I didn't know who Jack was. You know, you guys were knew who he was because you probably saw him. He was he ripped back then, right? Like, yeah, but I, I remember. I mean, he was just a Quicksilver Grom, and mm-hmm. I was a Quicksilver Grom, and you know, I didn't think you know he wasn't famous yeah. until like. But didn't know, he made he, he made up. the finals of the pipe trials? Like he won it or something? Yeah, you know, no, no he charged. He was and, a great surfer. Yeah, and uh, and so Kelly's like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna bring my friend to film if that's cool. I'm all, I'm just trying to get Kelly on the trip. I'm like, of course, cool, yeah. Who is it? And he's like, oh, Jack Johnson. I'm like, okay, cool. And then we were in this, like, one of those little hotels kind of waiting for our boat and whatever in Padang. And Rob's like, have you heard this guy sing? And I'm like, no. Like, is he good? And Rob's like, yeah, bro. You got to check it out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the mini disc thing was, like, a big deal back then. And Rob starts jamming and Jack starts playing and he starts singing. I'm like, whoa. Like, he is pretty good. Like, that, you know, and yeah. he goes, yeah, dude, this guy, you know, uh, um, G-Love just took one of his songs and he's playing it on the radio. Like, G-Love bought one of his songs and it's called Rodeo Clown and they're playing it on the radio right now. Like, it, right when we got on that trip, it started getting radio play. Wow. And Jack was, like, super stoked. He's like, yeah. dude, I can't believe it. One of my songs is on the radio. Dude, that's like, so crazy. You put this trip together. Yes. Chris Morrow and Surfer Magazine put the trip together. Yeah. And then Slater invited... Slater invited Jack to Jack film. Jack for yeah. the trip. And the thing is, when you have, like, for that caliber of crew, what we were putting together, like, it was it was just, like, a lot of negotiating. Like, okay, can I bring a filmer? Can I bring this? Can I bring this? And, you know, Taylor was the guy back then. It was, like we got to make sure Taylor's guy's there. We had our own interest because we had Surfer Magazine TV. Yeah. So we hired Sonny Miller and Dave Holmesy to shoot. And they were shooting all film. Um, in fact, I have some stuff I can give you guys for this. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, um, uh, and then... What boat were you guys on? Did Neptune you? 1. Oh, Neptune. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a dirtbag boat. But it was... It, it, the Japanese we ship. Yeah. The, coast, oh. the old Coast Guard one. Uh, yeah. We almost, we almost died on that thing. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's we we lost anchor. Did he you? Was, yeah, in the middle of high seas, we Where? heard this bang, 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 and we heard the chance oh, across. I don't even know. Anyways, <laughs> they tried to go and save it before because the backup anchors like for a freaking little. Like, Did you get dragged on the reef? No, we're out of sea. We're 
thousand, two thousand feet deep. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah, thing yeah. fucking that yeah. just came loose and was going. Gnarly. And gone. Yeah. And <laughs> me and we can't anchor anywhere until we go find another like wow. proper anchor. Wow. It's crazy. Anyways, it was yeah. That's gnarly. That was one of twenty things on that boat that Dude, that was a, we had one it's of not our, about me. No, it's not about you. No, but the world I like has... talking about you. I'm, we're going to talk about you because I, I have like world, memories of JLR. The world kind of. has to thank Chris Morrow mm-hmm. and Surfer Magazine for bringing September sessions to life. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Um, I mean, dude, that's that's great. It was fun, info. and there was a lot of cool little trips like that. And then the funny thing was, you know, like Jacks. So almost a year. That trip was in September. Um, we did the mag stuff came out right away, but the movie Jack was when he got home. So when we got off the boat and we hit Padang, Jack gets another phone call. He's all, "Dude, NBC is going to use that. Um, they're going to use that song for like one of their sitcoms or something. G Love song. You're going to make four grand." Jack's going, "Oh my god, dude, I'm going to make four grand!" <laughs> you know, like he was just like, "I cannot believe it!" You know, and and it was so funny because then. He gets home and he's just being wheeled and dealed around the record industry. Like people were going, and um, we took that next summer. Um, I was living in North Laguna. This is kind of a random story, so pardon me. But like, the, my landlord was this guy Aldo, who's a legend. He comes back from the surf trip one day and he goes, "Chris, you, you won't believe what I just came from. I was just in Mainland Mex and I was surfing Kira by myself." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I was standing in barrels like this by myself." Ibarra? Yeah, he was talking about Barra. And I'm like, "I want directions. Tell me where it is. The whole thing, right?" And so he's like, "There's this little town, Waltuco. You go this second gate, turn right. You know, whatever." Yeah, dirt road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, this is the year 2000, and um, I'm like, "Okay." So I call up Kelly. I call up Jack. I call up Chris Moore. I'm like, "Hey guys." I don't know if it's anything, but I, this guy doesn't lie, you know? And I'm all, there's a wave down the mainland, we gotta go check it. And um, we went and did another trip that next summer. And um, it ended up in Taylor Steele's hit and run, but we got fairly skunked because it wasn't like doing its magic thing. But it was like, it was funny because the road was washed out and we had to hike in and it was this whole adventure. And you get to the beach and you look up to that point, you know that watercolor down there and how like just it looks yeah. like the mainland. And it was just like, do you remember those old Maynard and the Rat Surfer Mag cartoons yeah. back in the day? It looked like one of those drawings, you know, you're just like, oh. And um, so we had a little fun trip then, the next summer, and that's when Jack was just starting to, to kind of go. He was getting ready to launch his own label. And we did, um, so we did a, I did a profile on Jack in the mag, and we had like a little mini sampler of his CD that launched with that issue. And that was like, the start of his whole little thing which was cool yeah you know? so it was fun to watch that watch his career go from zero to 60 in like a year so gnarly. was just like unbelievable it's funny to think that um during september sessions he wasn't already a famous star no i mean he was super well right. respected you know like from all those guys yeah it, but yeah i mean he's respected as a surfer no nobody knew but, who he was but nobody knew who he was yeah, no, we had him play the surfer pole, dude, and and it was funny because, like, the way those parties were in Irvine, you guys remember? Yeah, it was like the pole would happen, and then everybody would be partying out in the front, and Jack was like playing, and, 
And like when Jack saw how big the audience was, he was just like, oh my God, dude, this is, this is gnarly. Like he was trembling, you know? Yeah. And it was like, and six months later, he's playing in front of 40,000 people. Yeah. You're know? just like, holy <laughs> shit. So nice. You know, Such a different realm of yeah, like just next, next level. Yeah. And so it, it, it was, it was, it, it was fun to see that. And there was, there's a so lot of little you produ- you produced Surfer Pole as well as like other events like you said Surfer TV. Yeah, the or- funnest thing actually, you know, like a lot of that stuff was fun, but my best the other thing I'm actually most proud of at Surfer was creating Fantasy Surfer. I was just going to ask created that. Fantasy yeah. Surfer? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're huge fans. <laughs> huge fans. Yeah, yeah. it was it was our Fantasy Kooks. Fancy yeah. kooks and um, I don't even know. You guys have been doing it the whole time. Yeah, 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 for a long time. It's yeah. insane. It was. It was a. We was, have you to thank for September sessions and <laughs> Fantasy Surfer. Yeah, yeah. So Chris Morrow is a demigod. Who, who doesn't like wagering? Yeah, anything. No, I, I mean I could spit farther than you. I could break this. Yeah, you know, like you, you name it as a kid and the guy, like you're gonna come up. Yeah. You put in sports and you're like... Yeah, you add that element. It was interesting because like... Um, so how did you come up with like the price value of 50 mil and... So what's well, changed a little bit through the years too. So right. Um, I don't know. And I don't even know if Surfers is the same as when it had. Because I was a big stock market guy. Like that's kind of my thing for a, a long time. And then at the same time I was doing the top 44 reviews while I was a surfer. And so a couple of those years... Um, I would make these spreadsheets at the end of the year and I was like keeping stats myself. Like my stats were better than the ASP stats at that point because they were, there was no real heavy centralized authority at the ASP. They were like, you hear that? I'll hunt, got yeah. nothing on Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I could tell you how many times Kalani Rob beat guys in the top 10 or whatever, you know, like my spreadsheet was, revealed a lot of stuff. And so when I would do my 44 review, it was a lot, it was very kind of like, I treated it like a, a financial review. Like, yeah. hey, fuck, look, Kelly's, ripping right now and he's on his game but he he has to get by wild cards you know or something like everybody has a little thorn in their side you can the, the data shows the weaknesses kind of thing yeah and Look so this guy so it was one of those things where i was <laughs> such a geek on that and um and then uh i'm like we got it the fantasy baseball thing i had a, one of the kids in our neighborhood was a, um, a, a major league baseball player and so fantasy baseball was a huge thing and it was just like we got why can't we do this for surfing and yeah. so um, our programmer, one of our guys who designed our website and stuff like that, I asked him, I go, hey, what, what do you think about if we did this little game and we treat it like stocks and you start with this budget and, you know, there's different prices, but depending on how the rankings do, your purse, like your own purse can actually increase, right? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Look at you. That's so cool. I'm showing, showing the app. Chris my fantasy surfer app. Yes. That's so cool. <laughs> so, so... We developed the game, and it was, um, and it was instantly. I mean, I think within, within the first year and a half, we had like thirty thousand people signed up playing it, like religiously. Yeah. And at first, Brody Carr, the ASP, the first year they after they saw it, they kind of came at us, and they're like, "Hey, you guys need to take that down." We're like, "What are you fucking talking about?" Yeah. They're like, "That's uh, that's our property." Blah blah blah. You know. And I'm like, "What the fuck." And so I actually went, and Ricky was haired, and it was like midway through the season, Ricky Irons was the publisher. And so we did. We actually put a halt on it the first, the very first year. We put the brakes on it. And, um, and then I met with this guy who was worked on the digital side of Major League Baseball. 
and I had a good conversation with him, and I said, hey, how come there's all these different little fantasy leagues in baseball? He just goes, oh, well, simple. He goes, they don't, they don't use MLB logos. They don't use anything on their side. Like, he goes, it's, it's all non-official. Yeah. He goes, so just change the name of your thing. Don't, don't use ASP. Don't use anything. Just whatever. And so took all reference to ASP off of it yeah. and relaunched. And then Brody was like, calls me up. He's like, okay, come meet with me in Australia and let's partner. He goes, we don't have, yeah, because he's like, fuck, we don't have the bandwidth to do this. We don't have the resources to do it. ASP was like five people in a row. But then they yeah. ended up coming out with their own. And I yeah. think one, I think I only know a couple people that play. I'm like, they, like that's still around? Like, you yeah. play that one? Because yeah. it wasn't, authentic, it wasn't the, the, the first to market and yeah. done right. It's No, first two, too many quirky. Yeah, Surfer was first to market and, um, and it definitely had first, first mover advantage, but um, when we, uh, a few years later, after I left Surfer and then I came back because I went to work for this other company called Grind and then we sold Grind to back to Surfer, um, they had actually broken it one time during a, um, an upgrade. It was sort of like they were redoing, redesigning the Surfer, the game, and they were tweaking it and I wasn't in charge by then because I was gone. and. It just fucked it up, and you know how it is. It's like the beginning of the season. It's like those first two or three events. It's everything. And yeah. It's like, and that was a big setback. We lost yeah. a lot of users that year and everything, and and uh, so uh, we had to kind of fix it. So it's been through a few iterations since, but I think the spirit of it is the same. Yeah. yeah. And um, I love it. And you know, people like they can't still, wait till it starts again. Yeah, people get geek out, and it's fuck. It's fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When you have your favorite surfer, just because you like their style, or or you're just a fan of who they are, but yeah. then they're not on your team because it didn't fit your budget. You're like, <laughs> yeah, you're torn. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't want you to lose, but <laughs> Dude, you're not on my team, so fucking lose. It, like, it's <laughs> it's such the um, that's such the mental battle between emotion and logic. Yeah. Right. It is emotion and logic. It's just like the everlasting battle. And, I can't I, believe the funny thing is I, to, uh, I suck at the game. Like <laughs> I suck at the game. I made it, and I thought I would be really good because I'm Mr. Data, know all my spreadsheets and whatever, and I could sit there. I suck. Yeah. You know, it, it's 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 sad. I'm too emotional on my yeah. picks. So so um, so you went to after. Well, go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Surfer Pole. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's such a. Back then, at least, it was such a prestigious. Yeah, it's an institution. Yeah, and, and the ranking, you know. Oh yeah. Is is, it's important. Yeah. It was. You know, it was. We, so, it was. Real so, surfers really like. Oh, it's right. It, it was like surfing. it was the, the 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 bonuses guys would get. But that's what I'm saying. Man. It was freaking massive. Yeah. So so wait. So no sponsors would not just have oh, a yeah. top ten. I, I didn't even hear that about yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Seriously, I oh, didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Every guy had a ASB ranking, but if you weren't even on that, or maybe yeah. you were, you're double dipping whether yeah. you're a free surfer or not. But yeah. you had payouts getting in that top ten. Oh, if you had a top surfer pole, yeah, a surfer pole. I did. It's like getting that. photo cut, like photo incentive, incentive or well, think about it. surfer pole. It's way harder to crack the top ten in the surfer pole than it is to crack, to crack top ten in the world. Yeah, because you're you're dealing. <laughs> with, it's like no, you're, you're dealing, dealing with the whole world of surfers. I mean, versus the surfer yeah, pole. Surf, yeah, surfer poles had way fewer winners than it has when we've had world champs yeah. you know what i mean yeah it's like there's only been a handful of world champs has been been yeah been you, winners i've never know? thought of it that yeah. way it, it, it was a big ass deal and the industry 
That's you win the surfer poll. You that means you own the hearts and minds of the freaking general populace. That yeah, guy yeah. is worth a lot of money. Yeah, marketing when, dollars. When, when Christian Fletcher got tenth or whatever one year, he that's when he just went through the roof. And it was like same with and it, that one goes even like Dan Malloy when he made it to tenth got yeah. got a boost. You know. Yeah. And so, so those are tell us how those are, and a lot of those were off of Taylor's movies, movies. and yeah. ads and trips and stuff. But it was like you know yeah. Because it was an actual poll. Right? It was a full-on reader's poll. It was a reader's yeah. poll. We'd think, you know, we would, the magazine had a ballot in it. You filled it out. You mailed it in. And they were yeah. all counted, you know? And it was like, that was the thing. There was one year when the Lost Guys corrupted it because they said, if you vote for yes. Randall, you get a free t-shirt. Sick. <laughs> and fucking Randall won the Surfer Bowl. <laughs> and we had to jerry rig it. I love you, Lost. Nowhere. So, Randall really so, won the so props ball? to yeah, props to Bylos and those guys because they so were their marketing he, genius. He, and we and we're just like, sorry, no, this is rigged. We're fixing it, and you know that is. But, yeah. at least you called it out. Well, well, the Did funny thing is, the like the, the ad guys didn't even tell us that they were doing it, right. Like that's <laughs> they're like, fuck, well, Lost wants to do this, and they're just like, I think it was Perez, Tony Perez was just like, fuck that, we're doing it, you know. And didn't ask editorial, and we're just like, Randall. and we're like, I see this ad, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You're, I know you're destroying the fucking pole. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, talk about the marketing yeah. geniuses. Those guys, guys, were on those guys they were so on it, yeah. And they, the, just the rivalry they had with Rusty the, Merrick, yeah, and the Taylor Steele guy, yeah. whatever. It was just like they. They played that character really well. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like the misfits. Because, but, you know, you guys were all like smart, athletic, driven, this, that. And they're just like, we're fuck, we're fuck yeah. ups. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that was society. Yeah. We're, it was yeah. so good, though. <laughs> they were. The Surfer Pole Awards were so prestigious. And you really, yeah. I mean, I followed it yeah. when it was around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. we would. It was right around the U.S. Open, and yeah. it's in Huntington, and, and everybody would come over to my house, and we would oh, pre-party yeah. and rage, and then we'd get a limo, you know, and, and head over, and it was... You guys were rock stars. It was mayhem. Yeah, was I remember. Yeah. I, I was always working too hard those nights to, like, enjoy it, enjoy it, but by, usually by the time, like, the show started, yeah. then I, can, I could relax and have fun and whatever, and it was just like... And then we'd just do post-mortem the next day, because he would yeah. just be like... Okay, how to come out? Yeah, <laughs> it was like like the year the year the year Fanning got all Eugene. Yeah, and 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 Kelly's like he got up and interrupted Kelly's speech. Do you remember that year? Yeah, and he's just like he interrupts Kelly's speech and Kelly's like, dude, he's like trying and to Kelly push him away. Yeah, Kelly won and, and Fanning's like hammered off hammered. his ass and he was full of Eugene. And Kelly's like, what, what what would happen if I if I did this to you in Australia? And Mick goes, you'd get laid. <laughs> <laughs> So good. <laughs> it was so funny. So he's blacked out. Oh, he's up on just, stage. dude. And the photos from that year, like Mick's doing like like a freaking, you know, just break dance on the stage with these guys. Oh. It was just, it was so vintage, Mick. And if you, you know, those are the things that are so fun because you look at what Mick accomplished. Like oh. when he was a young guy, he was rock and roll and he partied Rage. and he had his good time. And then it was time fucking just like square down. The guy just got so hardcore. And you asked about worst rip, trip, trips of your life. I did a rip curl trick trip with Mick and Kieran to Papua New Guinea and our boat broke down in the middle of the storm. Kieran Tothy was on the boat. Uh, ben Dunn, remember him? Yeah. 
and it was one of these search trips and Rip Curl always liked to do these rustic things so we are on this piece of shit wooden boat barely oh. even went you know and um, this thing was we were going sideways like the porthole there was a porthole underneath and the porthole was like you're staring at the bottom of the ocean you're staring at the sky we were going like this <laughs> in gnarly seas for like six hours and we had like Grambo on the boat and everything and we were getting pulled by the storm out to sea and down the coast and so we'd missed like this last harbor we were get, just getting blown away from it our guys jody perry was the boat guy he was calling mayday 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 the whole thing we thought we were maybe going down we weren't sure but it was like they were calling mayday oh yeah because our boat was comped we were fucked and and but we we're in the middle of, we're right on the border of papua new guinea and indo and like nobody's there so so <laughs> we're a coast guard around yeah, the yeah so so we throw the dinghies out the sun's going down and at first the dinghies were kind of fighting each other because there was two of them and they were kind of fighting each other and then finally we tied them up together so they were all on the same line and i remember sitting on the bow because it got dark and i was shining the spotlight towards shore where i thought we should go to the boat driver guys and i was doing that for like six hours in the middle of the night just going <sighs> But before that... Just like, beach it, dude. Yeah. Just get to the sandbar. It was gnarly. And before that, it was... So with the, the engine was done? Engine was done. And there was... You know, we're, the funniest thing is we were six days into the trip, seven days into the trip. This guy came up from the bowels of the engine that I didn't even know was on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... He's got like black soot all over his face. He's like... You know, he's just like... I was just like, who is that? <laughs> like, where has he been? You know? And it was so gnarly. And funny thing is, like, at first, Mick and these guys are just like, John Frank, they're just like, let's crack some beers. Like, fuck it, you know, we're going to party. And the funniest thing, you could, one of these days we'll have to ask him, but like, so Randy Adler, Moondog's guy, he has a horror story, like, of none others. Because when he was going to Niaz once in 1983, he was on a giant ferry that was taking all these people out and they were in the middle of the ocean and the thing fucking sank. And he and his buddy who grew up in Three Arch Bay where we did had to paddle eight hours in the middle of the night. All those people died. Oh my God. All of them. And he paddled. They, they longest story, but it's like they paddled to shore. They landed in the jungle. They walked until they saw a little light in some house, knocked on a door guy I didn't understand a word they were saying the next like finally these cops come take them to jail the next morning some guy from the American consulate comes and goes hey you know what's going on they tell him like dude there's people drowning out there you're like we just our boat sank we paddled you know because the guy didn't speak any English when they, oh. but, you know it was like the gnarly story so that story is in my head when this boat starts going so I put my passport in a Ziploc bag and I put it in my backpack and I get my backpack on and I got my biggest board that I had for that trip which was like a 6.8 or something and I get up on deck and I'm like I'm ready to paddle man and, and Mick and, and Kieran and those guys are like what the fuck are you doing I'm like I'm ready to go I'm like I go I've got my passport you know like just in case I'm like I got my passport in my bag I'm like I'm ready to freaking go. And they're just laughing at me like, you fucking idiot. And then John Frank goes, can I put my passport in your bag? <laughs> he's like, it's like, tethered together, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
like, and so, and Jody Perry's like, no, Chris, don't worry, we're going to make it. You know, like, he's like, we'll get there, don't worry. He's like, I need you on the dinghy patrol. So that was like oh, how that whole so thing went So you held down. a light for six yeah. hours. Yeah, Tothy's downstairs watching pornos the whole time. <laughs> you know, it was just like, it, and I was holding the light with Grambo and I would trade off shifts, you know, and it was like full, right, like, there was like a thing on the bow of the boat, you know, and so I was, I was straddling it like freaking Titanic, you know, and just going and shining the light. So these guys, cause they were getting sprayed in the face. They couldn't see shit. All they were doing was just pointing towards the light. So we were just so pointing where we had to go. So the dinghy your engine. The dinghy is where our engine to pull this 120 foot boat to shore. Yeah. Wow. So, and, yeah. And we dropped anchor at about, we dropped anchor at about uh, uh, probably four thirty in the morning. And we wake up, and the sun comes up, and it's like this beautiful, just frickin' lagoony type thing. And so you, you got in a little safe harbor? We got in this, found this little safe harbor, and uh, it was beautiful. And, um, and then these guys in these little wooden canoes paddle up to us, and we're like, blah, blah, blah. and our, our boat guys are telling them what's going on, and then they go away, and then these other guys come out, and they have, like, full guns and everything. And it was gnarly, because in Papua New Guinea, there's, like, this, there's this freedom movement. Like, they're, they're not stoked being owned by Indo and, and so they're very suspicious of there's a lot of suspicion about are these guys sort of resistance guys are they who are they connected with and all that kind yeah. of stuff so it's a it, it's a tense little zone and um, I don't know if any of us knew all that stuff you know so it was like uh, it was pretty rad we were basically marooned there for like a day and a half and then finally like they're like okay we're gonna get you guys out of here we got on these boats they took us to an airport they wanted us to go report to the Navy guys and to, you know, find out what happened because apparently the Indo Navy had supposedly gone looking for us. They heard one of the Mayday calls and then they couldn't find us. You know, it was it was pretty heavy. That is yeah. heavy. It was pretty crazy. And uh, but you know, what doesn't kill you it makes it stronger. Yeah, yeah. 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 But the Randy Alice story, <laughs> dude. The Randy one, it's gnarly. And you know, the whole time I lived up there, I'd known about that story. He never spoke a lot about it, and it was only one time when we were like, we get in these pretty gnarly deep. Uh, Men's circles, you know, uh, every once in a while, like, That's ingrained and, in your and, it was, and, and finally he was just oh. like, yeah, finally I was just like, hey, Randy, so what really happened, you know? And he he tears up when he talks about it. it's heavy, wow. it's a fucking heavy, heavy deal. And people need to know that shit though. That you know, it's like yeah. that's what people went through. That was yeah. like 1981 or something. So nice. well, I mean, if he was on a ferry, let's say there's at least 80 to 100 people yeah. on that thing. Yeah, I don't know. And you know, when when I, I, I've never been on a sinking ship, but yeah. you've seen Titanic, you've yeah. seen yeah. those movies, and the way that those things go down, everybody's and, going down with it. Yeah, yeah, and just the the mayhem and, and well, like, you know, it, and it's like I don't know how many people were on the thing, but um, but you remember when you would hear like you would see those news stories every once in a while, like oh, this ferry and whatever. Some third world country, they overloaded it and they all sank. And it's like, you hear that. You used to hear that all the time. Yeah. And um, and it was just one of those things where they just overload the thing. They just load it up. These people, it's standing room only. And the thing starts taking on water. He said... Not when they, life jackets, not enough No, boots, nothing. Like, a lot yeah. of people don't know how to swim. It's, just, it's like, like a third world milk run. It's yeah. like, it's like remember, did you ever do those Natividad runs in, yeah. the, in those planes? Like the milk yeah. run and those little things. And like, oh. like, you run out of seats, go sit on the toilet. Yeah. You know, it was like... It's just like whatever, just can't bring it board, but yeah, you know, <laughs> some sketchy flights. For yeah, sure. those things are hairball. Sketchy boats too. Yeah, yeah. So that that was in my mind. Yeah, and it was. So just, you've gone on luxurious 
amazing boat trips to almost dying nightmares. Well, I, the fun stuff for me, honestly, like, you know, when I was um, when I was at the magazine, the there was sort of this whole thing where the brands would go, "Hey, can you guys set up some trips?" And I'm like, it's not that I wasn't into that, but I'm like, you guys, like, you should be sponsoring people who are doing this shit anyway. Like, yeah. they're not waiting for the phone to ring from some mad guy to call him up. Yeah. I want to know who's going to be in Mainland Max on his own accord. Yeah. You know? So it was like Brian Connolly and the shit he was doing yeah. back then. Yeah, he was charging. Like, the guy was fucking... And Timmy Turner. Yeah. Like, what Timmy Turner did yeah. was fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that shit, like, blew my mind. And that, like, like that kind of stuff was what I was Pioneering into. Pioneering, like... As an editor. Because, yeah. like, that's authentic. That's people going after it, doing it themselves. They're not just, like... Call, wait Staging. for the mad guy to call. Yeah, because yeah. half the shit was phony, you know? And it's like, so, you know, it, 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 those were the types of things I was kind of into. And so, you know, there's a lot of areas where I got to go. I feel like I was one of the first people to go really sort of explore in, that, in a decent way, like even up in Canada and all that kind of stuff, like going up there pretty early and and uh, with the, the Brewweiler brothers when they were Groms and before... Pete, uh, uh, what's porno Pete? It's like, um, <laughs> the Canadian? Yeah. Uh, Pete, um, DeVries. DeVries. Uh, DeVries. Yeah. DeVries. Yeah. DeVries. He was like a mini Grom, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then, um, Azores with Grambo, like Grambo, guys like Grambo who would like to just yeah, go Grambo. to these really out of weird spots, you know? That stuff was fun. Yeah. We, I mean, I, you would try to, connect with photographers you know you would have yeah. a connection with different photographers and you know certain guys would call you up and like hey i want to put this together you know th- together this trip yeah and it wasn't so much like the mags like putting together and be like yeah. the photographer trying to yeah. you know rally like a group of guys and like hey what's your schedule like i'm thinking of going here yeah and i'm like come on yeah you know let's go and certain guys yeah were easy to travel with some you know weren't but it just depended on the trip and timing yeah. and everything of course you want to go on every any You'd never say no. Were you more a video sh- shooter or still shooter? Like when you would go on those trips by your Both. by your time, because like you were going pretty core on Both. the video side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like I would say print was probably the first and foremost because mm-hmm. videos, you know, they're a little harder. There's less yeah. less guys. It was like Taylor and the Lost guys, and right. maybe you know, you know, a Palmer or maybe right. you know, you know, like well, Frieden, Pete yeah. Frieden would. He was the first to do his 500 telephoto lens. Yeah, with, he was dueling. Yeah, with his camera on the side, he put out like all kinds of crazy footage yeah. or sell it to other people. But he was, you right. know, he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna video too," or he would have a an assistant like yeah. that's gonna video. So that was smart. Yeah, that was super smart. That was an exciting time, actually. Like when Taylor started hitting his mojo and all yeah. that kind of thing, and that that was that was that was interesting. And we had, I mean, it, it was hard to get on those trips because he had to break it up into groups and everybody, yeah. you know, and it, it was definitely like challenging, but, you know, then he, he, he got to a point where, you know, hey, we're going to Australia. There's three surf events there. Yeah. Like who could come two weeks early? Who, what do you guys want to do the two weeks between these two events? Who's going to stay late? And like, you yeah. know, we have just kind of like, I'm there the whole time. I'm there for two <laughs> months. That's cool. You know, and yeah, you would just kind of make yeah. yourself available, but it was also, you know, you're, you know, yeah. if you put in the time, hopefully you get some shots. And so, what year was the um, the event you won at Lowers? I think 
99. Was it 99? Okay, so that was like, because that was the other thing where, for me, being a shaper guy, when I was at the magazine, um, one of my big agenda items was like pushing the creativity of shaping and all that kind of stuff yeah. on design forum columns and everything. And that was something I was kind of like uh, a pretty big champion of. And I, I have vivid, vivid memories of that event because I was Dude. such a cool freaking event and yeah. such a cool concept. And I look at like what's going on today in the sport and it seems like there's room for that kind of thing again. Like, you know, with, with what, you know, the, the pro tour being so elevated and yeah. so pristine as that marquee, like, there. Yep. Um, Ooh, I, look I, at all that wine coming in the door. <laughs> the bottom of the cage just broke out. Oh my god, you're it. so lucky. Dude, I, made it here. <laughs> I made it this far. That's my deal. Yeah. So 99 that was? I think. It might have been 98, 99. No, I think, I think it was 99. I think you're right. 99. Because I went to the mag in 98. Yeah. I went back and, and I'm pretty sure it was like a year or so in. Yeah. But that was, um, I just remember, number one, surfing in that event, um, Guys were was working. unbelievable. The waves were perfect. The waves were perfect. And the boards were working for a lot of guys, you know? Like, I remember watching Damien Hobgood do a carving 360 on his backhand. Yeah. Like, without even, a, like, completely seamless, you know? And um, that was so, I, I just thought that was a really cool idea to, to, to come up with a concept like that, to come up with, like, okay, everybody has to have this. I think there's room for that right now. I think people are somewhat like I love the tour. Don't get me wrong. No, yeah. for sure. But with 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 um, with but, how diverse the sport is now, and how how many different feelings there are to chase with surfboards and everything like this, and how many yeah. people, how many different ways there are to ride boards yeah. well. The stab in the dark. Yeah. So the, much. The stab air. Yeah. You know the stab high. Sorry, stab stab. Yeah, stab, stab high. The, yeah. And then you got um, the hundred. The, yeah. Oh yeah, channel hundred or yeah, that's yeah. called. But there is, you know, there is such a diverse group of surfers that aren't molded into, you know, like, hey, I'm going to be a tour surfer, or hey, I got to look this yeah. way. Like, you know, everybody's on funky equipment. Yeah. But a lot of that funky equipment works. Yeah. Right. And, you know, especially in California. Yeah. Because we, you know, I think the vast majority of us have come to realize, like. Uh, these aren't the best ways around. Like the only events I do, <laughs> do do these years, or I do a '70s event, an '80s event that's put on here like locally, and it's the best. Two and the board riders, right? In the board riders, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. But the, but the, you know, riding a '70s single fin or twin fin, so yeah. challenging, but yet like so inspiring because yeah. you're like, oh man, I, can I even make this thing turn? Can I even rip on this thing? And usually it's a survival. Yeah. And in the '80s, you're like, I can rip, but not really you know like <laughs> the board almost wants to go where you yeah. want. it just wants to go straight it doesn't yeah. want to arc with the curve but it's tough but it's, oh no you know when you're pulling those things out of the hat you're kind of like but now oh, that the, now that all the shapers are making those boards but with modern modern yeah have you ever, rocker fins have you ever done the cosmic creek thing oh yeah i won it one year dude yeah i was i i love the cosmic creek it was like we're gonna have to post that yeah. on the it, on yeah the i don't know what year it was to be honest i was at the mag when it happened but um and it was like Whatever the older, I don't know how many divisions there were, but I was stoked. It was like Ricky Irons and Ed and. But so fun. Oh, so fun! Yeah. Slater was there and there with Pamela Anderson. The year I won it, I was like, <laughs> "Cool, Pam, yeah, whatever." <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Celebrities. Kelly was like, "Dude, you're ripping on that thing." I'm like, "Yeah, thanks." 
Hey, Pam. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? How you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah. That that event's killer. I love that event. So let's. So how long were you at the Mag for? Ten years. Yeah. Ago? So ten years, and then and From then um, when I left, I went to. Um, yeah, I went to this place called Grind TV. I actually worked with Tom Lochtefeld before that for a little while. He was. Um, he was uh, talking about doing a surf pool. This was back in two thousand and eight. He was talking about making a wave pool. And, um, and so my little brother, who's very entrepreneurial, he's like, um, owns like a ski mountain in Utah and stuff now, but, um, he had, he had had designed, um, he had, he had worked with Tom on his like, uh, business plan for the wave house back in the day. And, and so Tom and I had known each other from way back and, and, uh, I did like a trip with him to Singapore and China and it was crazy. We were wheeling and dealing with these uh, Chinese mayors in like all these different provinces because they were super gung-ho about this wave pool stuff and it was it was actually getting kind of a crash course in that whole deal what was going on um, but that was right when the world was freaking melting down and so it was like you'd walk in the office and there'd be these projects on the whiteboard of like okay Wembley Stadium this that and the other here's one in Mallorca Spain here's one whatever and each week they were just dropping off like oh we lost our funding on this one oh this guy joint venture he's out like and it was this sort of 2008 quick. area yeah 2008 2009 and then um, and then I had met these guys from Grind TV and um, and they there were these two guys that came from from Yahoo Music they'd sold this little music thing to yahoo and it became yahoo music and they had so their next venture was hey we're gonna do an action sports little deal and it it was almost like a a community thing was almost like had a little social networking hub when it started that like you could create your own page put your photos on there and all that kind of stuff but they didn't have any editorial pieces it was just like a flat sort of thing and this is like pre-instagram Facebook is just starting to kind of come alive, but not really yet. And um, and uh, they hired me to kind of help do their editorial because they're like, "Hey, look, if we get a good editorial thing going, we can we can we could become the action sports portal of Yahoo Sports." Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, "Yeah, done deal." And so I went to work for those guys and met all the Yahoo Sports people. And by the time 2010 rolled around. It, I was really enjoying it because I was by that point um, it was not just surfing it was snowboarding and skating and the whole deal and the Olympics in Vancouver were coming up and Yahoo Sports guys were like hey dude we need you to lead the charge on snowboard coverage for our Olympic coverage wow. and Yahoo Sports was a big deal back then yeah you know it was Yahoo like was it was huge it was huge they were like if you got on the front page of Yahoo um, not so much the front page of sports, but the front page, front page, because a lot of people had that as their landing page when they turn on their computers. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, your host. Um, back then. Right. And so if you had a front page story, you were guaranteed at least a million hits, you know, like in a day. And, um, and so we went up there and we did a pretty good job on the snowboard coverage, you know. Um, what was the Aussie girl's name uh, who won the gold? I can't remember. Um... But we got like basically the first interview with her before NBC did after wow. she won because she was in the Roxy house and Danielle was at Roxy then. And so it was like, uh, 
the uh, NBC was actually pissed at Yahoo because we had actually was it almost Tory Bright. Right? Yeah, Tory yeah, Bright. Tory Bright. Bright. Yeah. Yeah. Tora, so, sorry, not yeah. Tora. So um, you're talking Danielle Beck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Danielle, we knew each other from Moondoggies and the whole yeah. thing, right? And um, and so uh, it's a small world. It is. It's hilarious. So so we um, we that was kind of like one of these things where they start taking us a little bit more seriously. And then it was like these big wave things would happen and I would pitch the sports guys and the sports guys were like, hey, this is like front page worthy. You should talk to the front page team. Wow. And the next thing you know, like we, I was having like, I was on instant chat all day with the front page team at Yahoo. And so I was pitching stories to these guys. Something that they never covered yeah. and, and yet it was probably yeah. like. Right. So all cover. this action sports stuff. So you guys might remember, but like Jordy did a rodeo flip sometime around 2010 or something and and we got it on yahoo front page and it got like two million hits and people like in the surf world were like in surf media world they were like holy yeah. crap how'd yeah. this get two million hits you know like well the fuck, you know and it was a big deal and and so uh after a year and a half when we started getting some mojo i had left surfer magazine and that whole group and they were they were the mags were already starting to suffer a bit because of websites was becoming so much more prevalent and Surfline was making a big push into content then. And so they were kind of looking for, well, gosh, how do we, how do we survive a little longer? And um, 2010, it was cool because one of my old bosses went to work for that group and, um, and we met up. He was somebody I always got along with and, and I'm like, hey, look, either you guys should buy us or we should buy you one of the two because we'd be a good match together wow and um and they ended up buying us and so it was it was cool so then it was like then we had all the magazines that we could use their content too so it wasn't just leaning on me and a couple of my guys i had all the mags feeding me shit that i could filter up to the yahoo thing and that gave the mags a little bit more life for um because all of a sudden their, their reach increased digitally and overnight you know and it was really fun because like it was gnarly. It was seven years of my life. When I look back on it now, it was seven years of my life, and I was a full news junkie. Because you're like, when you're pitching front page of a giant website like that, first market, you're up. You're well, you're up against every other story in the world. You know, you're up against every global headline there is. You know, and it's not just you're competing against your sport. You're competing against the news feed. You know, the rest. Yeah. And but it's this delicate little balance of the right timing and all that. And the nice thing is, is I made, I got this rapport with a lot of the front page guys, who I knew what they liked, I knew what worked, you know, and I would deliver shit that would click, you know, because I had a little bit of editorial experience, and so it was like we had some major hits, and it was cool. Like I did, I did a one story it was like on, um, it was when Kelly won uh, the Hurley Pro, and it was like I don't know, it was, gosh, it was like twenty years after he'd won lowers or thirty, I don't even know, but it was like. It was, is Kelly Slater the best athlete in the world? I wrote this little piece up and Yahoo Sports took it and then the Yahoo Sports guys pushed it and it went to the front page of Yahoo. So Kelly Slater and then one of Dan Patrick's radio guys is like, and that's how he got Hey on. dude, yeah. check out this article. And Dan Patrick starts reading my article on his radio show. Wow. So, yeah. So that was really cool, you know, just to, to see that kind of shit happen. And then, and then we ended up, a lot of times we would be, you know, the morning shows like, Good Morning America and all those kinds of things that they would be picking up on the viral hit, you know? And so it's like, we had so many stories like Kenworthy's daughter, the pink helmet posse and all those yeah. kinds of things. Like all oh, like we'd get those stories on Yahoo. And then the morning show people would call us going, Hey, can we get their number? Yeah, here you go. Kenworthy and those guys would just be like Josh Kerr and those, 
They're like, this is insane, you know? Yeah. And so it was cool to have that little avenue and that little thing work for a while because um, it got a lot of, we got a lot of good mainstream press for all these different sports that they otherwise wouldn't have had. And yeah. honestly, that's kind of what our industry needs. Neat. Yeah. 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 Little no. inter- injections of... Uh, yeah. Of that. You know, and it's such a... But, you know, the, things are shifting so fast in media world. And, you know, Yahoo's non-existent now. And even when I was there, that was starting to start crumble toward the end, toward the end of those seven years. And um, it was interesting because my job, this branded content stuff, like when you guys were talking to Taylor about the commercial stuff, that started becoming what I was doing because Yahoo salespeople were like, hey, we got these these people, they want to pitch, they want to advertise, can you pitch something? And I would pitch something and next thing you know, I'm a creative director on a Subaru shoot, you know? And then and then it was like, that was awesome. Can we yeah. do that again? And it was like, sure. And then next thing you know, I'm on creative director for this Ford shoot, like major million point five budget. And they're laying yeah. it out. They're like, these guys need, yeah. want to advertise, but they need something new. They need different. an idea, yeah. you know, whatever. And it was just like bringing these things to life. And, and that was a fun place to, to be. And, and that brought in revenue. And that was another lifeline for those guys, you know, yeah. that kept them. Because it was all of a sudden like these, they, they got a few more injections but then the WSL called and, and at that point they'd been around for a while and I was thinking like yeah these guys need some serious freaking help and I thought I could go in there and help them and um, <coughs> I was moderately successful but that's a whole other story yeah <laughs> well you've had like a ton of uh, you know write-ups and interviews and everything and I, I mean the one that I you know wanted to bring up was the heat about with Dane Reynolds on your article. Oh about, yeah, Danophilia. Yeah, yeah. That I was. Mean, did you ever expect? Did you you hear about that? No. What? Just Dane dropping what? off the tour. Yeah. And you know, like, what is this kid doing? He's got more talent than anything, and you know, what's yeah. that going to do? And teach? well, it's so the funny thing is that the and the bummer is I don't I don't know if I have a copy of that article or not because that version of the website got taken Hat. down, but. Um, <laughs> But but it was on it Yahoo was, Sports. It was on uh, no. it was on Grind TV. Yeah. and um, I, I it probably went somewhere. It didn't go to front page, but it was more the surf and What happened was Kelly tweeted it, and Kelly tweeted, tweeted your article. He, he tweeted my article and he put hashtag perspective, right? And so when Kelly tweeted it, and you know Dane had just come out with an article and he and one of his pull quotes in the article was like, well, what's Kelly really done for surfing? And I was kind of like, well, that's kind of fucked, you know, like, yeah, Dane said that. that. And, you know, people take shit out of context. So, you know, and the thing is, is my whole thing when Dane came off the tour was um, what was happening. And if you read the article, if somebody can find it, I don't know if you can, but it was actually pretty complimentary of Dane. It was actually what I was subversively doing was calling out. Connor Coffin and a couple of those kids who are talking about not even trying to do the tour, just doing their own little blogs instead of doing the tour. And I was like, my whole thing was like, hey, Dane Reynolds, it's cool that he gets to do this, that he's been here and he's writing his own ticket and all that. So I go, but not everybody I go, I go, I go, but you know, he has that luxury. A guy like Adriano D'Souza doesn't. Adriano's yeah. had to fight for every fucking thing he's ever had, scraping, you know, whatever. I go, so. It's easy for somebody to kind of walk away, but you know, at the same time, the reason why he's got credibility even walking away is because he's been there in the first place. He's been up here, he's battled, he went through the fucking QS, 
He got second in event. He made the final of a couple. He never, you know, Dane never did his thing, but he lit up the tour enough and made the made the cut to where yeah. it was like he, he, he was legit. He was on everybody's had, fantasy team. That's, and, that's, and, <laughs> and so it has staying power. But I was doubting the, you know, I'm like, but look, I, my whole thing as a fan, I'm like, I'm gonna miss you. Yeah. And yeah, you fucking rip and. I'm not sure if I'm going to be as interested watching you watch shit, watching you ride shitty boards in three years from now. Yeah. You know, like I don't know if it's and going to be there. And so, plus, like, but that's it. You, you as saying, a fan, you, you yeah. saying that and bringing that to light. Yeah. Because I mean, in my mind, you're, what you're saying is let's not set a precedence. Yeah, it was you no know, like we want the best surfers in the world who to have, make to take a crack at the tour. To right? Take a track, yeah, yeah. Take a yeah. crack at it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If I want Dane to compete against yeah yeah John John I yeah. want Dane to compete against you know well and a lot of Medina, that like well, I mean, every surfer on the planet says he you know at one point or you know one of the best free surfers of all time for sure yeah. for sure without yeah. a question so yeah. not everybody's molded to be doing the tour and they get that yeah. yeah but your point of view was he can do whatever he wants because he's that good and he's accomplished he's back in the tour he's back these back. other yeah. kids yeah want to aspire to do that but they haven't really proven themselves well so. it's just it was more like your staying power is not going to be there unless you you know the cool yeah. thing about the tour making and cracking the tour is it gives you some some staying power and legit yeah. you know that kind of thing so you know uh, I'm a freaking huge Dane fan and always have been and I you know I don't really know him personally though yeah. I never really know what I mean it's like and but I'm a huge fan of uh, all, he, all the stuff he does and I know he was kind of it rubbed him the wrong way and and whatever, but that was it wasn't a personal attack. You know, yeah. if you read the article, it was pretty complimentary. Yeah. Um, I was never I've never been a flamethrower type of writer. Yeah, That's not my thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you're not the, the only other that. like. But he took it personal. He wrote a oh, six hundred yeah, dollar so, like. Yes. Declaration, sixteen hundred word like declaration, like right. his retirement thing. Yeah, he called, yeah, he put my name in there like three times. Like, don't listen to Chris Morrow; he's a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of rad. It, it is. It was cool. It, dude, the funny thing is, it's like when I was walking around the office, all the surfer editors and surfing editors, they were like, "You're never surfing Marine again, bro." <laughs> no, but they were like, "Fuck Morrow!" Like, like it was pretty funny, and I was just laughing because I don't, you know, I don't care. Yeah. I love Dane and. He'll get over it, and I think he actually is over it. But yeah. um, I'm sure he's well over it. The guy's got so much in his bank account; he's fine. Yeah. And it's like, um, well, it's, and and again, like I said, there was no harm. I was actually more critical um, of Bobby when he walked away. Uh, and, you know, yeah. I wrote I wrote one about Bobby, but again, it wasn't a flame throwing one. It was just like, hey, I get it, but it's a tough pill to swallow at the time. When the world's crumbling, unemployment's at like twenty percent, and you're whining about the tour, you know. Yeah. And Grant, that's coming from somebody who's whining about the tour an hour ago. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I get it. And yeah, it's, it's from an outsider looking in. You're like, you're you have everything at your fingertips, fingertips. and you have the ability to win world. Ch- you know, right. you've proven to win events. You're a world title contender. Yeah. And you're just going to walk away. Like it's just, yeah. it's hard to grasp. Yeah. Hard to but guess. all that's based you're, in love, right? But when it's you're like, on yeah. his side and you're looking at these guys that yeah. Yeah. I surf 10 times better, I just surf this way better and I got yeah. two points lower than their wave of right. score. You know, it's like, yeah. I, you know. There's, yeah, you, there's definitely different factors and ways to look at it, yeah. but as a spectator and a fan right. of you competitive want, surfing. Right. Like you look at Dane, you're like, dude, 
You're young. I you lost yeah. talent. I lost interest on the tour mm-hmm. when Dane and Bobby went off. Yeah, well, and that, like, a little bit, right? A yeah, lot for sure. Yeah. And Sean, like Sean and I were talking about during, when I was interviewing him, and we were just saying, we're like, look, the beauty of the tour when, like, when I was doing it and doing those trials and grinding it out, you'd have 16 guys come out of the trials. 16 guys would be going up against the back 32 guys, like the back 16, right? And so that's how you had Nicky Wood win Bells when he was 16. That's yeah. how you had Gerlach win the Stubbies in 85. That's how you had all these Cinderella Somebody stories. Somebody on fire yeah. in an underground. And, and, you know, it's like, you remember the Bud Tour days. You go to Santa Cruz, guaranteed there's somebody from Santa Cruz in that final. Yeah. You know, you go to Pipe, there's always a Pipe local in the final. Yeah. You know, you go down to J-Bay, South Africa. Yeah. I mean, there was, like, it, it didn't matter where you are. There's that local thing about surfing that I, I think, they need you know, back. where I, yeah, and I, I feel like, I hear all these people saying, oh, we need to restrict it and make the tour just like these 12 gnarly guys. And it's like, that doesn't sound interesting to me at all. Yeah. I don't want to see love, the same guys over and over I don't know if I can see that. That's like pro volleyball yeah. back in like 80s. And it was yeah. like, Karch Karayan and this guy again. St. John Smith. Yeah. It's like, it's like, St. John Smith and Karch Karayan this year. Yeah. Karch Karayan and St. John Smith. I would rather see, you know, these big upsets and that kind of thing. And, yeah. and it's, it's good the, for the sport. It's and, good for the competitiveness and everything. Yeah. And, it's, it, and I think it's the WSL's job to make it attractive for the Bobbies and the Danes to be able to participate, even if they don't want to be full-time guys, yeah. give them a given a give them an avenue to get in, yeah. or just you know? just throw some specialty more events. heritage heats, bro. You know? Yeah, specialty yeah. events like you know you throw these. But I think throw those guys in the mix and make them fuck up the world title race because if I you think, can't beat those guys, like you, you should you don't deserve the title. Yeah. I think they should do a trials for all previous winners of that event. Yeah, and, and you know so like. Yeah. That I think still real event, you know. I think you win an event, you get a lifetime like golf. Like you just yeah. keep coming back for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you? I mean, now like compared to when you were a pro and I was uh-huh. a pro to like now, like what do you like? How you know? What's the avenue these kids have to do? They have to be their own content creator. They have yeah. to have. They have to manage their own like editing yeah. and social media, and you know they got to rely on the sponsors a little bit. But well, I think the whole definition of pro is being blown up as we speak. Yeah, I think. Guys like Mason Ho and Jamie O'Brien are completely rewriting the book. Yeah. Um, ben Gravy. Yeah, Ben Gravy. Clonny Rob making a comeback. Uh, yeah, and, all know, that guys, stuff. I yeah. think all that creative juice and these guys who are finding their little niches and ways of entertaining, that is, those are pro surfers. Yeah. And, like, they are doing... Because, like, look, again, the whole reason a lot of us went that competitive route was like dude i gotta keep the surf thing going yeah, yeah. it wasn't because we liked putting a jersey on that much yeah it was because we wanted to fucking get to australia yeah and it was like you i can either go the- pound nails or i can go surf a couple heats yeah you want to live the life right and, i mean it seems like most of those guys aren't doing it for the you know the money i mean yeah that's part of it but it's right. it's the passion like they're they're having fun you right. know and you see it and you can't just smoke screen that no right? you can't just be like Hey, this is me yeah. out in the water, and this is me. You know, right. like, no. it's not a light switch. These guys are they're psyched, I and mean, it is a job. Don't get me wrong; these guys work hard, really and hard. it's a full time yeah. job. But but kids, I think too, and you best guys, job. We, on we, we all have kids around the same age, right? They smell authenticity a mile away and phonies a mile away. Yeah, like yeah. they're not stupid. No, and and so it's like they know who's having fun, and kids want to have fun. Yeah, and they like so when they see guys like Ben and Mason and Jamie and these guys. Like, it was funny. My buddy, he was taking his kids to Hawaii, right, during the Pipe Masters last year. I'm like, oh, that's killer. You're going to watch a couple of heats with Bronze? He goes, 
He goes, dude, all they're looking forward to is maybe a Jamie O'Brien sighting. Like, they didn't even give a shit about the tour. You know what I mean? Like, they were just like, we just want to go see Jamie. So that should tell you quite a bit about, you know, where the sport is at. Well, I I think, though, that happens from time to time. It just depends on that person. That personality is overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like, Kelly, you know, at his height of... I mean, he's still popular, but like when he was on Baywatch, yeah, people didn't know him from professional surfing. No, they knew him from Baywatch. Mm-hmm. And you know, like it's funny because that's the same kind of the same thing. You know, yeah. like well, they're reaching a completely different audience. Yeah, you know, than the, than the pro surf fan, and it's funny because in some ways that's that's what the WSL is trying to reach. Yeah. They're trying to reach those guys, but they're doing it the wrong way and and I think you know what's what's happened with the sporting side of it is that these guys have become su- such top-notch athletes and to be able to qualify now it's one of the most difficult things in the world right threading that qualification needle is really really hard it takes an intense amount of focus I have so much respect for all the surfers on tour. I don't care what you're rated. I don't care if you're anybody who's ever even qualified or been close. I have so much mad respect for you. Um, but what I would say is there's lack of character because everybody's so one-dimensional, so focused on being that athlete yeah. that the characters aren't as interesting as they used to be. Yeah. And it's, so where you're getting the color is on all these guys who aren't don't have to worry about that. Right, They're right. not worried about their heats, you know? And, and that's where, you know, when you're a marketer, when you're a guy with a brand... Who do you want? The guy who's rated 32nd in the world and got, you know, 33rd at Tabby last month and he's blowing up but has no personality? Or you want yeah. that kid who's, like, got all these little kids following him? Yeah. yeah. There's a few. There's the, the competitors. There's yeah. the, the lifestyle. And there's the ones that can do both that are the marquee. Right. Outside of world champs, you know? But, like... Yeah. Yeah. Usually the guys are world champs that are the full package anyways. But, they yeah, are. you know, they're so... Again, you said so tied up on... On getting that title, that they're less accessible, they're right. less behind the scenes. They got their camp. They got yeah. their, they're, they're, you know. Yeah, like look at John, John, and John, John, and, and Gabe, man. They're, they're, they're hard to reach even for the WSL guys. Yeah. Like they are their own camps. They are their own machines. And I think it's interesting to see where we are in surfing. Like, look, dude, freaking Laird Superfood went public yesterday. Right. <laughs> their stock went public. Yeah. You know, like went to forty bucks on day one at 37 or something so you know what i mean that's fucking rad yeah. that's so rad. you know what i mean rabbit bartholomew is running for office yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean that's fucking rad yeah. sean thompson goes around the world speaking doing motivational speeches to like google and cisco and all these corporate things yeah that's really fucking cool yeah it's cool what surfers are doing in the broader culture now you know and then when you add bolt on all this other creative stuff i just think that's neat and i think what john john's doing you know, with his freaking boat and all that kind of stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like now, so I'm more interested in John John today than I've ever been. Yeah. Because of all that stuff he's doing. I think that's cool. And, and it's it's unique, but it's also his passion. And, and you yeah. know, like I said, authenticity and finding, you know, your passion and exposing it, and inspiring other people is yep. like your, that's your worth. You know, when you could sell your story, but yet inspire others to follow you, whether it's supporting a product or just, yep. you know, your, your page or your, yeah. you know, your YouTube channel, whatever. I mean, you're all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys aren't thinking about putting out a YouTube channel to make all this money. Like, 
oh, the the do perfect guys are three you know three hundred yeah. million guy download you know like they're not doing that <laughs> right they're just like this is an avenue to showcase what I'm doing and right. yeah, it's going to make me money but hopefully inspiring be like, creative this, yeah, yeah. Those it's, other guys. it's super cool you know one thing I should probably definitely mention too is like um, the guy I had on my get on my show last year Joe Sigurdsson who does the hundred wave challenge yeah which is happening this year and the stuff that those guys are doing and um, I don't know if I sent you guys that video. Um, maybe I did, but like, what? How that San Diego surfing community for the last ten years has been rallying around this this little charity? Because when I was at the magazine, I mean, we would get hit up by by five hundred one Cs, C threes all the time. Like, yeah. hey, do this, do that, like whatever. And and a lot of them are really good causes, you know. But it's really hard to put like measure how much impact they're having and you know see where the progress is and what these guys do this boys to men mentoring program which is the, so the whole thing behind the whole hundred wave challenge yeah. they're literally taking these inner city kids and they're giving them mentors like we all had these mentors right like growing up in the surf community we didn't have to look very far for role models like the pte and thing that we had i was so lucky to have be part of that world yeah. right and like you had Kelly and all those guys and the momentum generation and everything. And it's just like, these kids have nothing. They don't have dads, the vast majority of them. Yeah. Their closest thing to a role model is a gangbanger. Yeah. And, and what these guys do is they give these guys a positive outlet in these group settings where it's like they take these kids and they meet them once a week and these guys are with these guys from junior high through high school and beyond. And they're, they're, they are their mentors and they like save big, lives. Big brother back yeah. in the day. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit more, I think what are the, the advantages it has over big brother and how it works and when you talk to the actual kids themselves, you're like, look, big brother's kind of intimidating because it's one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And so you're kind of nervous because you feel like you're out being examined the whole day with this one guy. Whereas when with boys to men, it's 12 guys in a room, it's 80 or bros you know, that are going through the similar struggle and have the same issue and yeah. five adults yeah. who've lived through, had their own Which is shit. a safe environment, but yeah. yet, yeah, yeah, hopefully loosens you it, up and feel yeah. more connected. Somebody it's, to lean on, shoulder. Yeah, and these guys show up and they're there for them. And, and, and it's so neat because this organization, this guy who founded it, he was like, you know, just this normal surf guy, but he leaned on the surf community in San Diego to... Um, to support it and they've been his biggest backers like this hundred way challenge has been their biggest financial yeah. thing that funds the whole program you know for the last 10 years and now they're all over like hawaii's got a huge thing and um we've been having some talks with some interesting names about stepping in and getting involved and guys who grew up who didn't have fathers and i'll let you read in between that but it's like there's some cool stuff happening where um this year because of covid we they couldn't do a big event on the beach in san diego and so it used to be the hundred wave challenge was this one day event and it was you come down it's in mission beach you go ride 100 ways you go home and you know you tell people hey i'm gonna go down and do this this year because they can't put that many people on the beach they've sort of that we said hey we're gonna spread this out over two months you pick your own crew you do it in your own backyard you just let people know and so over the last month or so, I've actually been traveling up the coast. That's what I was doing up in San Luis last week, just kind of spreading the word and getting people on the program to like 
get it going in their own backyard. Yeah. So like the Laguna guys are in, the Dana Point guys are in, the San Luis guys are in. Looking for some Huntington Newport people to kind really? of like, you know spearhead. <laughs> yeah. You know, for sure. just sort of put the word out, you know, because it's like the, you can see the results, you know, and it's like and it's so closely related to all the social issues we're facing today, you know. Um, and yeah. it's like people are sitting there going, well, gosh, how do I make a difference? How do I help these kids? How do I whatever? Here's a perfect way, you know, to to go ride a couple waves and like you're literally saving lives. Yeah. yeah. You know? I met, I think it was Joe, mm-hmm. um, at a Christian retreat a couple. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was last last year, 19. And uh, yeah, just biggest heart. He was telling us all about it. Yeah. It was just incredible, like what he was doing. Yeah. You know? He's amazing. Yeah. Like one of the most amazing humans. And like I didn't, I felt guilty when I met him because. He, here he is. He's been doing this thing for ten years in San Diego, and I didn't even—I never even heard of it until yeah. I didn't hear about it until I met him and he yeah. was explaining it. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm all, and that's how hard it is for these guys to get press, right? Yeah. And I here I'm a media guy, and I'm like, I never even heard of you. But Scott Bass introduced me because um, I he wanted I hosted like this panel at the boardroom show last year in Carlsbad, and and he goes, Are you cool doing something for boys to men? I'm like, Sure. What is it? And then when I met Joe, I just fell in love with him. Yeah. I just saw the work Big he does. I met the kids, the kids that he's he's that are in his program, and it's just like it's one of these things where give back, but yet you know, yeah. like do what's right, you know, help yeah. help others. You yeah. Know? So yeah, I do, I'm definitely didn't want to leave without talking about that yeah, because it's something great. that's super close well, we'll to my heart. We'll keep that right conversation now. going for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I think that'd be yeah. that would be cool because um, and I mean everybody's looking for yeah support whether it's time financial right support me you know like getting the name out there like yep. everybody could contribute yep Anyways, a little bit before yeah. yeah and it's uh yeah it, it, it's a great thing so hopefully we'll get it going and it's neat don meek you know we talked and he uh he sent me a bunch of the board rider clubs uh head honchos contacts and so the south bay guys are in they're like nice. dude we are our club is in you know and yeah and so that's been actually a pretty good avenue to work through. Yeah, well, every community, especially in surfing, I mean, we got we got our elders, we got a group of our board riders yeah. who have been sober for 10, 20, 30 years, yeah. maybe that thing, you know, there's yeah. a lot of, yeah. you know, surfers that have, you know, grown up broken homes with exactly. parents like that. So, I mean, you're going to find and, you know, find somebody within the community that could relate but also you know kind of help mentor right and it's it's like you know the the effort here is like you sign up you send a few emails to your network saying hey i'm doing this this is the cause here's the donate button yeah that's the effort yeah that's it and then it's show up and ride some waves not super tough right like it's 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 effort though and a lot of people are like oh gosh i don't want to pollute my page or you know it's like hey what if your page could save a life? Like, what if that little post, one post, you get one kid, you know? Yeah. $1,000 pays for one kid for a year. Like, one whole kid gives them a mentor for a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not that big of a deal. No. And, um, and so, it's... We need more of that. It's pretty impactful. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it, the more we can do... And to your point, I think Duke Ipa was um, talking about maybe getting involved. He spoke at that thing. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. But... Yeah, there him him and his wife kind of help manage board riders. Now, yeah, his wife. Oh, now. do they? Yeah, they yeah, do. yeah. So board riders is the other thing that's super fun, man. I don't know. 
That was actually, I think, the last time we saw each other was that Newport one, maybe. Yeah. That was he, cool. He did. I don't know. We're not doing a lot of talking during the contest. But after the party, <laughs> for sure. No, I'm just kidding. No, it is. It's just a giant reunion. And going back to, like, you know, it's a small industry and it's a small world. And, right. you know, even though we haven't seen each other in a while, like, when you get on the beach and in whether you're in New Jersey or not, you just see everybody smiling. Yeah. And you see people in tents and yelling, and it's all in good fun. It's freaking were the you, best day. You did the game, right? Correct. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And I remember because I was working on those shows when because they were on Field TV. Yeah. And, and those were some of the most, from a fan perspective, and I just thought, like, I remember we did a couple of X Games, too. Yeah, we did, did a couple of Did you do this in the, the one in Porto? I, no, I did the, just the Huntington one. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, you, that Huntington one was, was it was, there was, um, so, do you remember when it went... It was supposed to go live that one year in Huntington. Um, no. So, because I worked on that on the show, yeah. right? And it was a big deal because the X Games, it was all about, like, a lot of times they pre-can these things and they run them later. Well, the one year that they had that game one in Huntington, it was like, okay, we're doing it live, right? And they wanted to do a dry run the day before. And the waves were, like, three to four foot. And I think you were in it. And Dane was a grom. He was like... 16 17 and the waves were like maybe three to four foot yeah for the for the warm-up event that we all filmed and it was mainly so the commentator so it was uh me and gt were commentating and it was getting the camera guys familiar with the whole thing and they had this zip line going on back and forth on the pier and the whole thing and it was all testing it while these guys that did was the, the drone drill. back then dude it was yeah it was it was the drone yeah and um and uh that warm-up event was one of the most exciting surf contests I've seen because it was that Gerlach game, time clock, you know, go out there, do your thing. And the producers and everything were so stoked. And the next morning, um, so we were like geeked up going, this is going to be insane. This is going to be a big breakthrough for for surfing because like ESPN, primetime, live. The next day was this big. Uh. I don't know if you remember, but it was like this big. And the event was such a dud. And the live guys, I'm listening to the studio in L.A. because they had all these other sports going on in L.A. And Sal's up there doing his thing. And they're like, that looks like shit. Those guys are just sitting there. We're not tossing to that, you know? <laughs> it was yeah. like, and they only tossed to it for like the last 15 seconds of the event. Like right when it was like, and Florida wins <laughs> or something like I don't even know so who won. So unfortunate. Like, yeah. And it was like the biggest missed opportunity because after that, they're like, no more live surfing for ESPN. We would go down to Porto and can it down there and um and do surfing mother nature yeah mother nature it's yeah. never easy so Looks, you know there's so many crazy things that have changed um, yeah especially with you and and the work that you've done yeah right? yeah like who whoever thought that magazines were going to go away i know it's a bummer i, so I mean crazy. you know i love this age we're in i Although I, I hate it too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think social media is fun, and I think it's the devil. Well, yeah. we're 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 the generation that has the luxury of knowing, exp- ex- experiencing, yeah. and knowing both. Yeah. Our kids are growing up; they just know digital. You know, no, so they, they don't really know the. I remember my kid one time. He, my fourteen-year-old, when he was like eight or nine, he comes up to me. He goes, "Dad, what are magazines for?" Like <laughs> he's just like, and I'm just like. Yeah. Shut up, kid. <laughs> What's Dude. a dial-up phone? What do you mean? What's a dial-up phone? Like yeah. a landline? What does that mean? Yeah. Like, well, how amazing was the big issue every year? Oh yeah, that a lot was, of work went into that. A lot of work. It was, and for uh, a surfer, yeah, you 
you wanted to get it to get in there or or anything. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. prestigious to be, you know, like to get in a mag anyways, but like Well, I think your event was in the big issue. The one yeah, you won, I think the so. Lowers, the lowers contest was in the big issue because I remember we were hanging on to it for deadline. Yeah. And uh, I think Doc pulled an ad for that that issue yeah, too. Yeah, that was sick. It was really cool. That was um it is. Those were it, it was fun times. It was a yeah. fun era. Like we were so lucky to have um all of us sitting at this table like just that the last 30 years to be a part of this whole scene yeah and yeah it's different now and but kids are just frothing just as much yeah and it's like and surfing is not going anywhere the industry is going through its growing pains and it is what it is but it's yeah. like there's more surfers in the water than there's ever been yeah yeah and it's like, that's the mind-blowing thing about what's happened with covid and the silver lining of yeah more i mean the surf builders surf shops they've had some of the best months they've had in i know in years, over summer er, yeah ever yeah just like oh i'm having my best july ever and um now like are you working with fuel tv mm, well Uh-oh. i think they're gonna be starting up we've talked about it and that's my plan is to help okay. those guys a little bit you know when they go so i we've been talking that that stuff's been going on for back behind the scenes for over two and a half years yeah. it sounds like it's just about to go so oh. it's all exciting time there and that'll be cool if it, yeah. if it happens great we'd you know? love to because yeah. you know back to to like seeing all these new surfers yeah. you know how are we going to retain them right yeah and because we have to have some kind of longevity and and not take advantage of this but yeah take advantage of what the silver lining is and what COVID's done and, and mm. brought more um participants to, yeah. to the industry yep right and you know that's our livelihood this is our livelihood right? yeah and and hopefully yeah fuel tv will you know and now allow that to doors to open and stuff yeah, yeah. i mean the, the the industry itself has been through several massive like resets uh, resets yeah. yeah and we're in a reset the monopoly board just got tossed in the air yeah. pieces are still flying and they haven't landed yet. But and just like everything, the, the strongest will survive. They'll right. they'll, they'll, they'll fine tune and they'll they'll change yeah. to the to the times, and then there'll be a new resurgence of new brands and newness. Yeah, and people are blazing new trails, right? Yeah. Like people are going to blaze new trails, and the, the, I think the key is is what you guys are doing with this, keeping everybody connected and telling these stories and hooking up with these people and getting it is like some of the best part of well, this whole thing we appreciate that but it's it's a, there's a lot of history but then yeah. there, there's a lot of stuff that is inspiring along the way where it's like you know people could look back and be like oh i don't remember that but then they might yeah. go and do a little like research or, right or go back and look at some of those surf videos or you know and yeah just stir up the pot of not just what's happening now because over a six second like attention yeah. span it's like you know what that sounded interesting i'm gonna go check out that company or that person right and yeah. that's what that's what's cool yeah and i that's that's the part i enjoy honestly on my where i come from just because it's like i'm not as connected as you guys on today like i'm not keeping up on every guy's scene and and, and who do you want on your show we'll call them yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and so but it's like but what i you know one of the things being at the magazine as long as I have, one thing you know is like, you remember all the stuff that didn't make it in, that oh. should have, right? And that's what I enjoy now is like, the mags are like a first draft of history. Yeah. You know, that's basically what they say the news is, right? 
And it's like, but it's one tiny sliver of what's actually happened. Right. Yeah. And so what's cool about shows like this, when you guys do Bob McKnight or Taylor Steele or Boothie yeah. or whoever, it's like you're getting all this, you're weaving all this information that never made it, yeah. you know? And there's so many sides to all these stories that we've all heard about through yeah. the magazine because we were all attached to those mags. Yeah. They were our deal. But it was like, in the grand scheme of things, they were this minuscule part of the whole story. Yeah. And so, and there's a lot more to tell. And that's what's cool. And I, I look back and we look at ways of, you know, you know, come up with content and we have so many guests that we want to talk to and yeah. people we want to even come back to again and stuff. But going back to that one sliver of time is, you know, you look at that photo and it's like, okay, who was on that trip? Yeah. Who was with that? Who was a photographer? And then even getting that group together and say, hey, tell us more about that day and that wave. And mm -hmm. how many other waves did you guys get? And there's like a whole story within that picture. Right. That, like you said, is untold behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. Like I have all kinds of photos. I have the yeah. guy that we are rotating. I won't yep. say the surfer, but you're at a spot. <laughs> surfer respect is you catch a wave. Everybody wants a photo. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Next in line, we're all here. Okay, next set, and somebody burns me. No, they took their weight. and gets a two-page spread on the way they burned me. <laughs> Who was it? I'm not saying. Bro, <laughs> I'm not gonna say. You know what? They're the No, he's not a flamethrower. Yeah, we don't. We don't destroy. No, but that is news <laughs> yeah. that needs to be told. Let's just say it's hashtags torpedo people. <laughs> Chris Malloy? No, no, Keith Malloy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I actually went and Chris. Keith, Malloy. you know this, and I'm going to call you out on uh, it. Yeah. He snaked you, and he got a two-page spread. Yeah, that's hilarious. And there's other, there's a lot of other like stories like that, and it's probably worked vice versa with you know. Like, yeah. But um, those are funny days. But yeah, that's what it goes back to. Just you know, there's so much oh, history. Well, we were talking about like yeah. if you look at Donovan Frankenrider today, he looks like the mellowest, cruisiest guy. Yeah. And I just still think of like Donovan, just the frother, the guy who had foam coming out of his mouth as soon as Larry brought his camera out and yeah. gravels. And he would freaking crawl, he, he would fall over your back. Yeah. He would do whatever to get that shot. It was so yeah, funny. And he's the funniest guy ever to travel with. You he's good. Yeah, oh I, did, I did a few trips. Well, him, I mean, dude, uh, I watched a couple of those drive throughs. Yeah. <laughs> and if you watch. Benji and Donovan. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah I couldn't even. Like imagine. you couldn't get a word in. Yeah. You probably couldn't get a wave in. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. Funny. I would pay to just be backseat with those guys. Though. Yeah, a lot of funny. Stories. I went. I went to Italy with Donovan one time. And we went. Grambo went out one night. Come back. Grambo's car's gone. Just ripped off. And Grambo's pass out. And Donovan and I had to get to the airport. We're like. We, Dude, our wetsuit's in your car. Where is it? And he's like, "Oh, I parked it over there." We run around the block looking for it. We're like, "Dude, your car's gone. We'll see you later. <laughs> we got to go to the airport. We're taking a cab." Like it was just the funniest mischiefy stuff. And Donovan, he cracks me up. We, we didn't even ask you like what what's the funniest or scariest. Well, we heard about the scariest Listen, trip. I don't know. I mean, there's it's hard because you think of stuff and then you pull a thread and then something else comes up. Yeah. But like, but you know those. Those that particular trip was pretty hilarious because that was um, in uh, we went out to Sardinia in the Mediterranean. Wow! And then uh, we hooked up with these guys in Rome. Yeah, it gets really good. The Mediterranean has it's a crazy. I went to uh, after I went to the Azores. I took a train from Lisbon over to Barcelona, and then if you look at those Surf Europe, you know those old Surf Europe mags where they yeah. have the um, the catalogs and they show all the lineups. Have you ever yeah. seen those? They're Surf Report ones. That whole Mediterranean coast has so many setups in the south of France and Monaco and all that. 
are these little ways that only fire when the swell windows. It's kind of like Great Lakes. Yeah. Right? Where it fires for like six Great hours. Great Lakes, but bigger. Yeah. yeah. And it gets freaking good in there. And, yeah. and so yeah. we were chasing like these Italian guys connected with us. And, you know, they were, back then there was three surf mags in Italy. That's three so Italian crazy. surf mags. It's yeah. crazy. Like the, the surf community is huge. Like the... Like Leo, his whole story, I love Leo. Like, I love the fact that somebody came out of there, you know? Yeah. Granted, he went to Austria, but it's like, yeah, it's cool. That's yeah. stuff. Cool. I mean, they all, yeah, they all have a, they all grew up somewhere where it's yeah. just like, they had to learn how to surf somewhere. They, yeah. You know, but you, a, get, you get sponsored, you get some money, and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to just move over here. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's, it's cool. But listen, guys, this has been, yeah. Freaking awesome. We got a couple. I, I know. I gotta go. Jay's got a hard one. Okay, couple, couple of bullet points. Uh, okay. Whoa, it's couple, already six. Couple, couple quick there. ones. Um, okay. What kind of board are you riding right now? Shape. Um, I have a board I shape myself. Awesome. Like wow. a, a nice little. It's like a fishy forefin. Sorry to interrupt. Can yep. people special order? Are you doing shapes for anybody or just not right now? Okay. I'm only shaping for myself okay. right at this point. But yeah, one of these days I'll just be like, drip about, what do you call them? Uh, just moral. Moral surfboards. M O M O R. Never find it. I like how we tied this together with the beginning of the three hours ago episode. But yeah, and then uh, uh, I have a couple Tim Stamp sports. Sick. I love That's Tim right. Stamp sports. Yeah. I love his long boards. I love his um, short boards. He's so well rounded. Um, and then I have I have um, a Slater board that. I've had forever because those things are indestructible. Yeah. And um, I got yeah. on one of those, one of those Tomo ones, and I like that. Nice. But I would say um, between the ones I ride most are the Stamps and my own board. Right like now. a hybrid, like a mini, mini short board? The Stamps one is kind of a fat little short board with five fin option. Okay. Right? And so, but the fifth fin is kind of like a little nub. Yeah. And so where I live, that little three arch bay, it's a grindy sort of... Uh, hollow wave and okay. like those four fins are kind of good in the two like they're good in hollow pockety stuff and if, if you have that little nub thing you know yeah. so um uh and it works good like it's actually a fairly short board so when it's hollow and decent you're not worried about your board it's not too much board you can kind of torque it and get in your yoga yeah. poses and that kind of thing if you're pulling into closeouts All right. but i like that um cool. but like when we were in newport doing those if i have a heat i'm busting out some foam yeah. yeah. Like I need I need foam. I gotta float. I like foam. I gotta float over the fat flat stuff. Because they all turn, they all work. Yeah, exactly. You make anything work. Alright, surf trip, where would you go if you had a one way or a round trip ticket? Um so I haven't been to Nicaragua yet. Sick. And I keep hearing you guys rave about it. Yeah. Let's do and this. So I need to Mark go. and Dave's yeah, Mark need, and Dave's I, is I, a spot. I need to do that trip. I have not done that strike mission and um it's killing me because I see photos and Yeah. Yeah. So Sandbar, it's quick. Close. You guys, you guys can hook me up. We do. We'll hook you up. Yeah, that would be epic. All right, uh, best surfer. <sighs> Not ever, like right now in this prime. Who's on? Who's in the prime right now? Uh, I know man. it hasn't been contest, but you know there's a lot of content out there, and I'm sure you still follow it. Yeah, I mean the the I'm kind of into you know look, John John and Mick Fanning are still kind of my I would say my my favorites in terms of like high performance what yeah. I'm doing but I'm super into the fun factor and then and then also I really I ride long boards and mid ranges a lot so like mid length uh, or gri like 
Cole Pinto, his yeah. Griffin's cousin or brother, I mean. Crosby. Yeah. No, not not Crosby. Oh. No, it's his cousin. Okay. It's his cr- cousin, the lawnmower. Um, God, why am I drawing a blank? But um, his Instagram is Kuka Pinto. Okay. Oh. Watch that guy surf. He's fucking unbelievable. Nice. So stylish, so yeah. good. Rides anything. Rides, you know, uh, longboards, midboards, shortboards, foils. Yeah. He's super talented. That whole family is a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that whole crew. I like that little. Um, I like that little crew of kids who are the ride anything mentality. Yeah. Like they could, they'll ride whatever board makes sense for the day. That was Nicaragua. Oh, I hate you. That, that's Lar though. Uh, I, oh, I hate you, Jay. <laughs> There's no, not really that crowded. I really hate. It you. was uh, three of us riding that right. Yeah, that's a joke. How long ago was that? A couple of years ago. What's the best? Years ago. Three well, you can tell me after we close. What time of year? What time um, of year is the best? Oh, yeah, around. But yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> All right, so right now. surf spot. Where would you go right now? That's Nicaragua. Yeah. And then, she's uh, best. Wait pool. Wait pool. What about? Have you done it? Yeah, I did Slater one like five or six times when I was with WSL. Woo! Uh, it's rad. I've never done Waco, though. Have you? He has. What you Going think? in a couple weeks. Oh, you are? To Waco again? Yeah. Yeah. I, it looks super fun. Yeah. I think I could do an air if I went to Waco. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I, I might can. be able to pull it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it looks super fun. Anything you want to promote? Anything you got going on? Um. Hey, well, I would just say check out People who surf show on Instagram. Yes. You know, and Love um, and uh, check out my show. Hopefully, it'll be out by the time this comes out. The next, the first episode of season two. You have to wait a while. I'm not as productive as you guys, so um, for Quality. episodes. But but yeah, but yeah, it's they're they're people fun. People who surf show follow Instagram too because yeah. you got I mean amazing like content history and facts and you got Sean Thompson trivia Sean Thompson's kicking it off and then I actually went up and hung out with Chris Malloy at his house so he'll be coming up after that cool awesome that'll be fun um, and then beyond that we'll see um, the um, I guess promotion I would say boys to men like yeah back to boys to men boys yeah. to men boys to men and, yeah. and honestly it's like a if anybody who's still listening to this yeah um, <laughs> like first of all thanks yeah. uh, and second that's boys dot org. Yeah, dot org. Yeah. Um, just just give it a look. Do your due diligence. And if you if you're looking for a cause to ever support that makes a huge difference, check out that one. Amazing. Whoa. And your Laguna Board Riders Club? I am, yeah. I live in Mission Viejo. I've lived there for almost twenty years. Um, but I'm still Laguna guy. Uh, South Laguna, but yeah, on the on the on the squad. They let me on. When I turned 50, they let me That's on. That's like Landon with HP. He's like a Lakewood, Lakewood guy. But Long like, Beach, bro. Yeah, we're right. We're the same LBC. difference. Yeah, yeah. The hood. Yeah. No. I, I, I don't know if I would make the cut if I was under 50, but now that I'm over 50, I'm, 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 uh, I'm right up there. Me and Boothie. Well, um, it's been awesome. We got yeah, a lot yeah, of great stories besides Moro. Yeah. Boys, thank you. People Editor, podcaster. <laughs> Shaper, dang, M O R R O W, programmer, M A U R O. All right, well, Dude, thanks, thank guys. you. I really appreciate it. Thank it's you so awesome. much. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.